0: podcast like a motherfucker okay so welcome to our time episode 51 hobby chat
1: yeah some hobby chat uh usual people Henry P. Miller and Casimir the Swede. Yep. And a special guest again. We've got Alex. We need a we need a a tagline for
2: you, Alex. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you got? I I can't give I can't create my own nickname. That's <laughs> Big Al. That's where I'll, talk. I'll take Big Al. <laughs> <laughs> like I've I've never seen you, so to me this is like
1: a you know it's an interesting build building the visual. He's a he's a rugby player, Casimir. So. Uh, so
0: he weighs like two hundred and fifty pounds. So what are you saying? Well,
1: not I'm not not a dirty, I'm but... a rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> not quite that big, but am um, no, just kidding. One of the bigger rugby players.
2: I'd say I'm big enough.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> big enough for you, <laughs> Casimir. Sorry.
1: Big enough for you. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> like I'm pretty tight. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> Speaking from experience, Casimir is pretty tight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it comes with being skinny. <laughs>
1: So this episode, um, we're going to have some uh, hobby chat, I guess, because uh, Alex, nice. if you've been following the podcast for a few episodes, Alex has just got into the ninth age. Yep. And uh, so I think it'd be interesting to see how far he's got in uh, probably about three or four weeks since we last heard from you. Yeah. And also we're, we're doing a bit of hobby tonight as well, as we as we podcast. And um, I think then we'll also just talk a little bit about my trip to Scotland for Scottish Championship. It won't be a full tournament report, but it will be a little bit of this and a little bit of that.
0: Yeah, because you can hear about it on the uh, Fancy Wargaming podcast, I guess, It'll yep. so probably be the, uh, uh, the Madgate Radio as well.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll probably do one at some point, I hope. Um, yeah, so Alex, what are, you, what are you working on right now?
2: So, um we we got ourselves some models delivered from uh from china from the faraway lands from the land of corona and um, <laughs> and wow. so i i actually ordered like pretty much my whole army from, yeah. from there you went pretty crazy you also bought a space marine army as well yeah though. i also did do that because uh, <laughs> some some buddies of mine are getting into 40k right now and i was like well i'm already getting some models so i could get i could get another i could get another army now that it's sitting at at my house, uh, I'm absolutely terrified. At uh, least <laughs> the volume of painting that I, I'm is put, required. You put be. on on yourself. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the good thing about Space Marines is that like it's just uniform, but that's going to be super boring. But uh, but when it comes to the Ninth Age, you know, i I'm, I have this Warriors of the Dark Gods army, and so I basically got all of these Games Workshop. Uh, equivalent pieces um, so I got like I don't know what like two10 packs of marauders I've got about 20 chosen Do you only get
1: 10 in a the pack these days I think it's 10 pack maybe it's maybe there's more in there it used to be 16 so maybe, okay. got, maybe, yeah, like, got whoa, maybe you yeah like whoa did you get
0: the more. old uh, buff guys or what yeah yeah, I I think yeah. so
1: yeah but yeah. it's,
2: it's from China, so you never really know. Maybe they do them in town. I mean, I didn't open the bag to count, so it's probably what you said, but I, uh, <laughs> just because there's so many bags. Um,
0: That's the best thing about China. You get, like, enough shit where you don't even care if you get the right thing anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't supposed to get these um, blood warriors because they were apparently they didn't have them in stock but then they showed up so so like i asked you to get me a bunch of extra like i got the extra chosen knights uh or chosen warriors because of that but now i have i've got the blood warriors too so i have a enough a bunch of models so i've got models and models and models and models and um, and so as far as like progress you know like this initial sort of startup investment's been a bit Uh, been a bit intense but also I I found myself quite like like uh, obsessively buying crap yeah, um, like, at the that's, that's kind of what happens
1: when you start a new army. You're like, oh, I need this, and I'll, eventually I'll need this, and eventually I'll need this, yeah. and eventually I'll probably, if I want to play with everything, I, I could use two of these. And,
2: <laughs> yeah, curse of every wargamer. And you never, know you never know if one of these could come in handy. Yeah. So I haven't bought like a Chimera or anything like that, or a Dragon. You went for more of like the infantry, right? But yeah, I got mostly infantry. I've got um, some Chaos Knights... I mean, that's what they're called, the models are called. Oh, well done, well done. Right. I mean, <laughs> good, good save, good save. I mean, uh, what, how do you want me to refer to them? Uh, the warrior Knights. Okay, then I'll say that I got Warrior Knights and I got um, a bunch of Chosen Knights uh, as well. And then I ordered a Giant and... Um, I'm
1: surprised that that wasn't the first thing that
2: you took out of the box. Uh, he's, he hasn't I, arrived yet. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, sadly. Um, I think that's, I also wanted to wait, it's, it's actually quite nice, I wanted to wait to paint the larger models just because um, I want to kind of get my, get my chops down a little bit.
1: Yeah. What kind of colour scheme have you decided to go for?
2: So, with the, um, with the warriors that I have already been working on, because I, I have like, like 21 guys already painted with um, single hand weapon and shield, I've done sort of a rusty armor, and then on the shields I've done like a um, like, and it's all sort of a cu- a coppery kind of look. And uh, and then on the on the shields I've done a little bit of like oxidation, like that green oxidation and stuff on there. Cool. And then um, just, be, just
1: that, that's like the like kind of looks a bit like lead or something, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's that's like, the idea. Yeah, like a, yeah, like. Um, well, like copper, you know, like when a copper kind of oxidizes, yeah, it was green it instead of brown, and I thought that'd be kind of cool.
1: They, these actually look really nice from the pictures that you showed me, and uh, yeah, thanks. Are you gonna post this anywhere?
2: Like, uh, are make you planning a, to make uh, a, a blog, blog? on a forum or something like this? Yeah, I would love to. But I think I gotta wait till I base them before I start posting, just because, like, it definitely looks, they definitely look unfinished, you know, right now. Yeah. Um, but. But, and I'm trying to figure out the basing as well. Henry has been really nice. Uh, I've been sending you some ideas with that. Um, But I just wanted to, I'm like super proud of like my, my ridiculousness when it comes to these warriors because um, they're the old game workshop models where it's like, you know, the sword and board guys with the really stubby arms. (laughs) And um, I like, I like took all of the shields off so that I could paint underneath like we had talked about, I think in the last podcast, we might have talked about it a little bit. So I pried them all off and then I decided to magnetize that arm since I had pried it off anyway and they'd broken in different ways. Um, so now I can kind of position the shields on these different angles, which is fun. And then on top of that, if I ever get the urge to make them dual wieldies, I can like <laughs> just magnetize some dual wield arms and like clack on clack off without having to repaint them And did this with a whole, with the whole unit? Yeah, I've, done Fair a, enough. A, I've got 21 painted now. I'm doing like seven more and then cool. I'll be done. Are you going for one big unit or two units? So what's the, what's the plan? So I, um, like I'll have, when I, when I'm done all 28, I will have two banners and two musicians. So I'll have the option to go with two units. Yeah. But, um, but basically I figured that if I have 28 then I can have you know, like 14 guys and then I can make fillers. Yeah, to make, so
1: you can have two yeah. 20s. Yeah. Cool. Have you got any, any ideas for unit fillers yet? Because that, that's like, for me unit fillers is what actually adds a lot of character to your army. Especially with these like monopose warriors. Yeah. Have you had any inspiration yet?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually, I've been thinking about that quite a bit. And because we also were talking about the, um, battle shrine, yep, and that sounded really neat as well. And then I thought that I could get some fillers that could actually also go with the shrine. If I end up putting the shrine inside of the warrior unit.
1: Okay. So the, the filler would be also double
2: up as a shrine. No, I was, yeah, I think it would be like stuff that, um, like I was thinking about doing some like pillars and things like that, that could go kind of go around the shrine. If I end up Putting the shrine. I guess the shrine kind of goes in the middle. Yeah, of the block, right?
1: By by the, by definition, because it's a wall platform. Yeah, the shrine has to go in the middle of the unit, or as close to the middle as it can be. So okay. if you're five wide, yeah, then it has to obviously be on one
2: side because there's five models and the shrine is too wide. Yeah, but it has to be as close to the middle as possible. Gotcha. So then, so the idea would be like if the shrine was, you know, like in the center of the block, then like I could have some like stone pillars or like you know or like some stuff with like torches yeah. on it or flames or things ah, that okay, kind of like cool. stand up and then if i don't have the shrine then those can just be like amongst yeah. the dudes
1: okay so you so what you what you want to do is actually do the shrine first yeah and then build the fillers that which will fit with the
2: shrine yeah, yeah. okay cool yeah, yeah What so what are you what are you planning for the shrine so <laughs> that's been, the next question yeah oh my god so i've been looking at i kind of thought it would be cool to have like a sacrificial sort of altar yeah like raised up above the, so that it's like it's like on a pet like a platform above the unit. Yeah. And then because because there's gonna be like a I guess you put like a, a sorcerer or something on top, right? Yeah.
1: You yeah. It's actually it could be a mount for a sorcerer, if you wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but
0: even when it's not a mount, it's you still have like a shrine master guy that's on the shrine, so yeah. he can still like have the same kind of miniature.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cool. But um, so like so I th- I kind of felt like it'd be cool to have like some kind of. Sorcerer with like a bunch of uh, you know occult sort of sacrificial stuff. Probably a lot of stone, maybe some like runes, you know, uh, skulls, and uh, <laughs> so really like kind of old school chaos almost. Yeah, I guess maybe not not like overly scully. <laughs> like, you know, like some of the some of the dudes that I got from this order have like some of the characters have these like. Bonus bases they come with that are like already skulled, you know. And I was like, ah, oh, those are neat, but they kind <laughs> of look a little different than the rest of my army, yeah. so I won't use those. But, but yeah, I just thought like maybe I could get some heads and skulls and kind of glue them down in places yeah. to make my own little. I have loads of heads. If you want heads, <laughs> cool. <laughs> i The scary part about doing heads, I guess, is that they they require a bit more detail than skulls. Yeah, as far as work. So yeah, maybe I mean, I'll, I'll, I wouldn't mind taking a look at a few of them and, and maybe trying to see if I can fit a couple in there to yeah to do something fun.
0: Yeah, I, I think you shouldn't worry so much about heads because I mean if it's a dead head, it's a, like you don't need to pick out eyes and stuff like that. It looks pretty good if you just make it de- splash a little bit
1: deceased and you know we put on some blood effect or whatever and okay. like it, it passes quite easily. Yeah, the, the blood yeah, the, the blood effect can save you hours if you uh, yeah if you apply it splash <laughs> it on sparingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just get it on there, get stuck in, yeah, cool. for sure. Uh,
2: but yeah, so I thought uh, I thought that could be pretty fun, and then you know, like this sorcerer on top, like you know, in some power pose, It'd be sort of epic. Cool. And have you
1: have you got any any models for like an iconic sorcerer or anything like that?
2: Um, I have that. I think that I actually ordered this guy that you recently did a, a, like a, a custom build on. Okay, but with you know, he's like the bald dude with the double axe. Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It that wasn't the Games Workshop one actually. That's a, the one that I did a custom one is from Anor Miniatures. Okay, but the, it looks similar to the Games Workshop one. Yeah. I think the Games Workshop one is like a slaughter priest or something. Yeah, that's
2: what he's called, yeah. a slaughter priest. And then there, and then I also have like a more like demonic dude that I ordered. The sort of, I think he's called a death breaker or something like that. Uh, do you know what
0: one yes. it is? Yeah, I know which one it is. It's like another one of the corn uh,
2: heroes from Guest Workshop. Yeah, okay. like I actually thought when I saw the, when, like when I saw him on the order sheet, I actually thought he was kind of like that um, exalted. Uh, the exalted herald. The big demon. Yeah, yeah, that's what what I thought I was ordering, but <laughs> then when I saw it, I was like, oh, you're not quite as big as I thought you were. Big. But uh, yeah.
0: okay, that's I fine. I have
2: that guy as a champion in one of my chosen units, so he fits on a small base. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, that was that. That was the thing, right? Is, is I was expecting him to be on like a fifty millimeter base. And I,
1: then... I did this recently. I uh, I ordered some uh, picks from Malifaux. Some, if you if you want to know what models they are, they're called I think they're called wild boars from Malifaux. Okay. Because I, I wanted some some alternative wild boars for my chariot for my beast heads and they looked reasonably large scale and then when they arrived they were like a little bit smaller than what i was expecting i mean they're they're still that's actually exactly what i'm doing right now but they're they're still going to be there but they're a little bit smaller than i i wanted them to be um but i also at the same time i ordered two random wild boars from like uh it was from the same order but i don't know what company they were from they were just like kids toys wild boars and they were they were much smaller than i wanted them to be <laughs> so now i've got a now i've had to order another three wild
2: boars from malifaux and i had to get them all the way from australia because no one is stocking, no one's stocking them anymore oh well you can just take the tiny ones and like stack them up on you know like have like four <laughs> little ones instead of like two <laughs> big ones or something.
1: yeah, yeah. I, but i only had two of the small ones oh. and i need uh, oh, two yeah. for each chariot so it didn't really work out but i, I quite like these ones they're quite nice right yeah, but they're agree. they're a little small, but it's okay. So uh, Alex, yeah, on, while we're on the subject, um, how are you finding just in general, like getting into the hobby? I know that we got really drunk on Friday and we played like a really stupid game.
2: <laughs> but,
1: but uh, indeed we did. Indeed we did. Uh, um, like in general, what's your what's your take so far?
2: Um, like on the gaming
1: part or the hobby just part? Just ev- everything in general, like the whole whole aspect. I mean, you've. You've been let's say you've been into the hobby now for like a month and a half or 6 weeks. I mean uh, where, where where are you with everything and, and what how do you feel in general about how the hobby works and how easy it is to play it and how easy it is to to get the models and paint the models and build an army.
2: What what where are you at? Well it didn't take much I mean again the things kind of just fell in my lap right like you had this this sort of order going You know, and so I was able to then just sort of drop some cash, uh, you know, early to get my army pretty much like when I'm done painting this, I have more than enough points for various makeups of an army. Yeah. So, like, I I have a lot of variety coming out of this, like, like this order, and I mean, I want to get more, but of course I could also tell myself to calm down a little bit, (laughs) um, but like... Get yeah, painting what you yeah like i need to just paint what i have now for sh- for sure uh it's it's gonna be a lot of work and yeah. i mean just tonight you brought like a handful of stuff to do yeah, it's like,
1: oh, okay that's quite a lot
2: <laughs> i brought i brought way too much stuff but i yeah. just kind of was like i was a bit ambitious i was like i don't know how much we're gonna get done but i'll just bring a bunch of shit and then I actually out. really I, I really
1: love these games workshop chosen models yeah they're, really? know,
2: they're pretty fun yeah, and though. i think
0: it's gonna be really interesting to see if you manage to Push through like this big uh, heap of stuff that you got down in the beginning because this usually is like if you already have an army, this is the curse where you think, "I'm gonna buy everything for my new army," and then you do like a unit or something and get bored and just like put it in the corner and uh, never finish
2: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now I so, for me, like the whole idea, um, like part of part of why this was really easy for me to gravitate to right now. Uh, was that I'm you know I have uh, like a six-month-old son and because I have him I can't do a lot of online gaming anymore because I have to be able to put whatever I have down pretty immediately um, if he needs me right and um, so so what that means is like I used to do a lot of online gaming Used to, and then you're sort of committed you know, to the match with some friends online and like...
1: Yeah, if you, uh, you can't really like leave halfway through a game if your son's crying.
2: Right, And I, so I, but I was doing it, right? Yeah. And then I was like, so I'm... And my friends were being really, uh, obviously really understanding about the whole thing. They're not... they're not jerks or anything, <laughs> but... Um, but I still thought it was kind of rude and, and tough on my part to sort of leave them hanging constantly.
1: You also don't want to get like halfway through a game and then just quit? Cause yeah. you also want to play the game, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, there's that as well, of course, but uh, but it was more just sort of like feeling bad about ditching them. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna pick my son over like a Dota two match anytime, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's like I can play Dota again. It's not a big deal. Uh, but if he's freaking out, like that's that may be a big deal for him. So yeah. Um, so basically, I uh, I just sort of thought, you know. Um, I need something I need something that I can sort of pick up and put down and and stop sort of on a dime and obviously when when we're playing a game like when we're actually playing uh, I'm out of the house so I'm not gonna like my wife will will handle that stuff at that point but when I'm at home and I'm doing the hobby part you know if I'm like if I'm trimming plastic or I'm gluing stuff together or I'm painting like I can just stop that you know I can put my brush down and and go do stuff with them. Yeah, I
1: guess if your son's crying, you can you can kind of stop painting at a moment's notice. Yeah, exactly. And it's not the end of the world. You just, you can just put your brush down and come back to it. Yeah, exactly.
2: So, um so for me it's 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 been like a really easy to transition into the game, but the or the hobby part at least, but the hard part is that I really want like I'm really into it and I want to power through some of these uh, some of these paint jobs, but like I can't, right? Because I have to go to work and then I have to come home and like... I, I must I must say, I'm actually quite
1: impressed how quickly you're getting through some of these things. Like, uh, you're, you're sending me, I would say, not daily pictures, but like, you're sending me pictures every every few days. You're you're getting work done. Yeah, and, and I'm quite impressed how quickly you're getting through it.
2: And I and I really like being able to send somebody like update shots as well because it, it helps be, for motivation. Keeps, yeah, like keeps me keeps me moving. Like especially when you're seeing what other people are working on as well. Yeah, yeah, and then you send me some of your stuff. I'm like, oh, that's that was you. You really blasted through like <laughs> yeah. a bunch of those unit fillers. I need to get going. I'm I'm pretty quick to be honest. Yeah. 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 He definitely is. It's uh, this
0: is a good thing to get uh, like a Twitter or something uh, for because then you can uh, you can just like post stuff that you're getting done or, or finished just out in the you know ether and there's lots of other people doing hobby on there that you can kind of uh, connect to and, and so on which is quite nice. Yeah, okay. I, I
1: find the ninth H forum actually really good because I have two blogs like one for my beastheads and one for my vampires and uh, I both I have blogs on both and I get like a lot of people comment on them and it's quite it's quite nice for both. Giving you ideas, giving you making you spend money on new models, <laughs> and and, uh, and also um, like motivating you to to do more, because people are always like oh this looks really cool I'm kind of following your blog and then, you feel a bit more obliged to post your pictures and stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I have a um, I have a friend um, back in Canada um, who plays a lot of forty K, and him and his like the local guys in the town where, where he lives, that are all sort of into the hobby together. They have a Facebook forum, uh, or a Facebook like, group where they basically, they, obviously they post and chat about stuff, but they also um, have this thing where once a month everybody um, like says what they're gonna finish painting, like they make a painting promise, and then at the end of the month they have to post how far they got through their promise. That's cool. And it actually keeps them keeps it keeps a lot of them really motivated because they said they were gonna do it, and then they they're like, I'm gonna do like 15 of these things this month, and then they post a picture of like five primed models, you know? They're just like, oh, ah, man, <laughs> like I'm a loser. I'll do better next time, guys. You know. So I think it's pretty neat. It, it like gets it gets them kind of going.
1: So are you setting yourself any like targets
2: or goals? Um, it's so I try to. What I try to do is, is instead of like putting a deadline on things, because I, I am hitting it pretty regularly, I just... All I'm trying to do is make like, uh, divide stuff into digestible pieces. So, like, right now I've found that seven minis is like about my max before I feel like I'm a little overwhelmed. Seven, sort of-
1: seven is a pretty good number, I would say.
2: Like I I started with like a test one, you know, where I was going pretty slow, and then I did like a batch of six, and then I and I felt like oh that went pretty good, and then I did a batch of seven, and I was like that's just on the border of like me getting tired, you know, and getting maybe a little frustrated that I'm doing another jacket, yeah, you know, or like this is (laughs) this is the seventh breastplate, like I'm done breastplates now. (laughs) I get this out of my face.
1: So the way. Where do you do it? Do you do color by color, or do you do item by
2: item? So, um... I basically... The way I did it with the warriors that I had was, I pretty much... Um, after I uh, base coated them, then I did all of their armor first, because so you, I wanted so you did to...
1: So you did like color by color?
2: Yeah, because I kind of wanted to do... I wanted to... I wanted to get the... The armor had like a number of... Um like a number of effects on it. And I wanted to kind of get through that before I went around the edges of it with the other shit, right? Yeah. Um, and get,
1: like get the get the kind of the base coat of the armor down and yeah. then
2: do like the finer details after. Yeah, exactly. So then I can go back in get the belts done and yeah. uh, the boots and the gloves and the fur and that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and then the weapons I did last basically and the shields I had off of the models yeah, uh, I I, 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 you, done.
1: I tend to do the same as well. I usually my shields are usually like on the side, and that's what gets like painted and added last. Yeah, because I, I yeah. want to paint the model
2: underneath before I do the shield or before I stick the shield on. Yeah, like with, usually with these guys, what I did was I uh, because all the arms were pulled off, right? Like you, um, I just like I I drilled into the shield arm and um, just like PVA glued a paperclip in there. So it could easily come out but so i could hold it ah, by yeah, the paper clip I see, while i was yeah. painting so they i didn't want to like super glue because i'm going to sand it down yeah, afterwards yeah. anyway and like that's like quite a good idea actually wear down the plastic and if the metal was in there it would be quite annoying so yeah so then i basically just had that and then that way it was, e- it was easy to to uh, spray them with the base coat and then when i'm doing like uh the dry brushing and like the the big coats on it yeah it was really really easy to just do them because they're not on the model and and I'm not holding the edges with my fingers either. Yeah, um, makes sense. And then basically, right at the end, I just uh, t- pull the pull the um, paperclip out, and then I have like a file, and I just filed down the nub to the length I wanted it to be, and then glue the magnet on the on the, the nub spot, and then. I've already, I'd already drilled into the armhole yeah. on the model and stuck the, ma- the opposite <laughs> it's, it's magnet. It's like in. a really complicated way of doing shields.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is uh, you're really looking to the future.
2: Yeah, but I just kind of thought like if I ever want dual wielding warriors, then I don't have to paint a whole new unit now. Like that's
1: yeah, I, I could just smart.
2: paint like 15 arms and I'm done. So True. Yeah,
1: yeah that I think it's actually a really smart thing to do when you're first starting. If you if you can think that far ahead and if you can plan that far ahead, I think it's really really smart thing to do. Like for me, when I when I started playing Warriors, yeah, it was back when I was like fifteen years old, and I wasn't like really obviously wasn't planning on ninth age and I wasn't planning on I just wasn't planning and I just like thought oh paired weapons are cool that means I get more attacks so they're gonna have paired weapons. And that was what I did. And now I'm in a situation where all my warriors have head weapons. Weapon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably not the best choice. So now I'm yeah. now I have no like what you see is what you get warriors really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I for me I, I think that I nowadays I kind of use uh, new weapon options as excuses to get more moles and stuff.
3: So you're just like, Well, this D C that has shields, so, th-
1: so that's really cool, but I also want those malls They can have halberds, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you could actually Alex, you could actually do Halberds on your with when you're doing your magnetizing as well because it wouldn't be so bad to have oh, um, yeah. a model with a, a hand weapon in one arm and a halberd in another. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Well, yeah.
1: The f-
0: yeah, it would be fine. They do have I think they do keep their shields though even when they yeah. the body. Yeah, the it w- it would
1: be better with shields.
0: Yeah, but still.
2: But yeah, it's like especially so and and it kind of only to me it only made sense with those units like i wouldn't i'm not going to magnetize these chosen that i have because they're all in these different poses and yeah they're also
1: resin so it's a little harder to work with
2: have like a bunch of different stuff.
0: Yeah, and also to, to be fair, like um, for Chosen, you're most likely only ever going to want to play them with Halberds or Grape Weapons. And the weapons that those models have can pass for both of those, you know, without issue.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what do you have for your Chosen, customer? Uh, So I, I have the same models. Well, not exclusively,
0: I have like... Um, so I I I bought uh, also from China ten of those uh, Games workshop malls. and uh, then I found in a box somewhere in my storage when I moved another ten actually metal like from Games workshop of the same malls.
1: Ah, perfect. Nice. So you have. 20. And uh,
0: yeah, and then I have some other stuff that's probably gonna be chosen, but like from <laughs> different marks, like uh, just cool malls I bought from different places.
1: So like some years. This, miniatures this, and this all. is like an interesting question. So, I know that you you talked to to me a little bit about that you'd read some of the background so how far did you actually get with it
2: oh me yeah um so actually most of what i did was was listen to your guys epically long podcast (laughs) uh, when i was at work but i had to uh i had to stop because it basically about three hours in i realized that my productivity had gone down dramatically
1: I guess that's a, that, that's a good thing for the podcast. I'd yeah, I mean, for
2: the podcast, great. Uh, for <laughs> me, though, like I thought, oh, this will be great because I can just kind of let it let it run in the background while I'm doing stuff. But I can't. <laughs> I, I pay too much attention to it. So, um, yeah, like I was listening to like some of the yeah you know, we I, basically we didn't get through I didn't get through all of it. It was a pretty long one. The Warriors one. Yeah, it's like four hours or something. Yeah, but I got through. Yeah, probably around two and a half, three hours worth. Um, and you guys were, you know, talking about the difference, basically the different, like, greed, lust, envy, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but I knew a little bit about that just because you've been telling me about it as well. Yeah. Um, but the...
1: Did, it, did anything did anything stand out to you? And did anything um, make you reconsider your the way that you're going to paint or model your models?
2: So the thing... I guess for me is that um, like it's tough. I really feel tough. Like it's it's hard for me to like decide. Um, you know that, that these guys are going to be envy, for example, right? Yeah. Like uh, be, just because I haven't got it, I feel like I haven't got enough experience with the different um, with the different types and play and trying them out and playing them and understanding the strategies I- of them. To feel like there's one that that goes with my army really well, and I also don't really know my army yet, <laughs> so I felt like I feel like it's a bit tough. Like it might be cool to pick some color combos um, that follow with those, just for the sake of it being cool. But it won't be for the lack like, of the what you see is what you get.
1: Yeah, I mean, like my uh, like my warriors army is an old corn army from Games Workshop days. So for me, if I was gonna play, like. Really what you see is what you get it could be a wrath everything could be wrath. Yeah, but then at the same time it's probably not ever going to be like that just because I, I Do want to win as well. Yeah. <laughs> and and having every, everything wrath is not always the best option. Yeah um, So for me, it would be something like a mixture of the two like if Some of my units are going to be wrath of course, but then at the same time I'm not building my army just to be a wrath army
2: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah, I, I decided to do something uh, similar as well. Where from the beginning, I, I thought that maybe that I was gonna really paint everything to to right mark, but in the end, I kind of uh, decided that uh, <clears throat> that it looks like a little bit, you know, messy. I think uh, like I, I well, you could probably make it work, but I in the end, I've decided that i I'm gonna paint everything kind of sloth themed. And then the mold choices and uh, how I convert them will kind of indicate what kind of mark they have. So like the gluttony dudes are all fat guys, for example, things like this. And the people who are greed have you know all the extra weapons, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was hinting towards with Alex. Like, what you said is actually you wanted to do different colors for each unit. And yeah. I, I kind of said, well, that that's okay, but then you need to tie it in with like your basing theme, at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Casimir, what would your advice to be to Alex if he's planning on doing different colours for each unit, but then uh, basing it in, uh, in one coherent way? Yeah, I, th- I think you should think about,
0: uh, so when it comes to basing, I think in general you should f- think that the basing should kind of contrast to the models you have, so for example if you have very light models, they usually work well on dark bases and the other way around, so if you have a... Like a a dark model, you'd want kind of a light or a colorful base to, you know, to to contrast against it. So if you can get that theme to run through, like for example, if you have like uh, snow basing or something across the army and then you can have uh, different muted colors for the units, but they can be different colors, but they can all follow that theme. Another way to do it, of course, is that you would uh, pick like certain parts of the models that change uh, colors, but they
2: have like a lot of neutral colors that are the same between them. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think. So, like, yeah. I think that like I'll end up with, um, you know, I'll probably end up with like a bunch of stuff that is gonna is gonna be similar. It's just that like,
1: you've actually been experimenting with bases.
2: Yeah, I've been I have been doing that too. Yeah, if, yeah. If uh, I could talk about that a little bit. It, I found this like paint that sort of crackles when it dries oh, yeah. and so it sort of looks like um, it looks like if you know you have like a dried oasis or something like that um, and it looks pretty cool when you paint it over top of some darker like I have a pale one that looks pretty cool when you paint it over some like some darker um, basing material so that's I think I'm going to go with that and then I have like these little red t- with tufts with like yellow fringe on them That kind of kind of a like demon over. demon tufts. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Kind of pop like a pop of color down there, which is I think pretty nice And then I've got like some rocks and things that I'm gonna try to put into the bases as well just to have like a little bit of texture difference and see how that goes, um, but I basically my my stuff, my, my warriors that I did now, they're all kind of a little bit dark, right? Because they've got this rusty, coppery kind of vibe going with them. And so then I, I, I really think that like a light base, like you were suggesting, Casimir, is like what I'm going to go with. And then it's just going to yeah. have this like kind of crackled Badlands kind of ground. The thing uh, is is it a Games
1: through. Workshop effects paint?
2: Um, or is it from no, a different company? I, I think it's from
1: Green Stuff. Green Stuff World. Yeah. Cool. I've, I've, I've not seen it, but it looked really good when you showed me the pictures.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then you have like a different color underneath. So you have like a contrast. Yeah, sort of like a reddish soil uh, type. Yeah. That's, that's sort of thick, you know, it sort of finishes, it finishes as like contoured ground. If yeah. you... So it's quite of, a thick paint with
1: some kind of texture in
2: it. Yeah, exactly. So you, you don't really, like I didn't use a brush with it. I used like a tool to spread it around with. Cool. And then uh, once it dries, then you paint this crackle paint on top. Yeah. And, uh, basically, the thicker that you paint the crackle paint, the bigger the cracked pieces are. Ah. So if you if you paint it really thin, the crackles. So are you really get slow. like little
1: little kind of bits, and then you get like large like, chunks. Yeah, like exactly, yeah.
2: It's pretty. It's pretty
1: cool. Awesome. So yeah. what what's your what's like if you what's your takeaway? What's the conclusion of six weeks into the
2: hobby? Right. So still loving it. Um, you know I. I would definitely, I would, it would be great to, if I could spend more time on it, uh, you know, just because I've got this wall of models now, <laughs> like now that I've ordered it, I just feel like, oh God, there's so many, I really need to get through them. But, um, but I think the other thing like that, the highlight is that when I look at that, like that like bag uh, or that, you know, table full of bags of models, I don't look at it in dismay, I look at it with excitement, right? Like every time mm. I... Every time I, I sit down, you know, in the evening when my You get
1: the, that warm fuzzy feeling,
2: yeah, like my kids my kids in bed, I put a series on on my on my PC PC screen and I just start like I just start grinding out some some models and that I think it's great. So I'm excited, um, and I guess the thing I'm really looking forward to, honestly, is 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 getting them done so that I can try some different. Um, like army makeups, right? Like yeah, actually play the game and try some stuff. And just now that I'll have all these pieces, I can be like, okay, like this is what I can do when we're playing a four thousand five hundred point game. Like I can make this, and I'll try that one, and then I can make this, and you know, like every time we play, I can sort of make some changes and like sub some models in and out. And I
1: tell you what, what's actually going to happen is you're you're going to make a list with what you think you have. You're going to play a game and realize, ah, this doesn't work. I need some new models. <laughs> then you're gonna have to buy some new models. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's that's probably what's gonna happen. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's what I mean. Right. That still happens to me. Yeah. Like I had, this, yeah. like I had, I played. I wanted to play with the Phoenix this weekend or like two weekends ago, and yeah. I. So I was like, okay, dig out my bits box. Okay, I'm gonna use this dragon as a phoenix, and <laughs> I painted it in like three days. Like, let's go. <laughs> Just because I needed to have it, or yeah. I wanted to play with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what am I working on? I'm working. I had a. I bought some of these Mantic chariots for my bee's herds, and they look really good and they're really cheap. I think I bought three for twenty five pounds or something like that. So three for two hundred krona. Wicked. That's the these ones yeah. the chariots and the pigs.
2: Oh, they they look great.
1: Not with the not with the guys
2: on top, but. But with the pigs. But with one?
1: the pigs and the chariot themselves, and you get like you can either have ogres or orcs. But they're not like the nicest models, but they're uh, but they're in my bits box now, which you you can use for your uh, your yeah. bases if you want to. Awesome. Um, Alex is uh, rifling through my bits box for like uh, Badlands basing,
2: like bits nice. of weapons and helmets and things that he can use. Yeah, I want to kind of like fix them into the into the into the ground and then have that have that um, like cracked soil. Yeah. Sort of have them sunk in a little bit in it. Yeah.
1: It's like cool. an old battlefield kind of vibe yeah cool yeah so so the challenge that i was having with the mantic chariots is that they're actually quite wide and they don't fit very well on a 100 by 50 or 50 by 100 so when you rank them up in units of three they actually um overlap so if if they're all in the same line like if they're all in the same plane plane then they the wheels touch each other Oh, no. And uh, they don't fit very well on the base, so I was like, ah, this is really annoying, because I've like painted them, I've converted them, I've put, I've got these like nice classic models to ride them, but I can't use them as a unit of three very well. So uh, I was like, okay, I need a solution for this. So I thought, okay, well, if I buy a one chariot and make it a thinner, a thinner chariot or I could buy another set of 3 and make them th- and like chop them up and make them thinner and then I can put if I have two wide ones and one thin one in the middle then they could fit together and then the one the one leftover fat one I can make two thin ones and put them on the outside and then they will fit together and then i would have two units <laughs> And I figured, as all as all uh, wargamers know, eventually you're going to need two units of something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I was like, well, eventually I'm going to need two units. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll go with this solution. So I was thinking, well, instead of buying Mantic chariots, I I I could try and find some other alternative. So I saw on the forum that someone had posted. I think they're called Vitrix chariots, and they're like Celtic historicals. Oh, cool. So I bought oh. the, that's what this massive sprue is actually just three chariots in that. Wow yeah. so I, so I looked into it and I, I bought them. They were also about the same price. I think they're about 20 pounds for three chariots and uh, you also get loads of loads and loads of bits with them, loads of uh, like historical models. If you're playing historicals, it must be so cheap because you could buy like one unit one of these and make a whole unit of like foot soldiers as well because of all the spare bits that you get. And, um, but when they came, whereas I'd say the, the Mantic Chariots, like the, the, thing, the thing that the riders stand on, they're about 50 by 50. However, the Vitrix ones are more like 25 by 25. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like much smaller. And the wheels, instead of being like a, a one pound or a 10 kroner size, they're more like a five kroner size or a or a 1P size, so they're much smaller wheels. But luckily for me, I've got like a big stash of wheels in my Bits box. So I have I had the wheels from the Goblin Chariots handy, so I, so I was like, okay, I'm going to use those. And then I was like, well, I also need them to be big enough that two models can stand on them. So I can't use the regular uh, chassis. So what I, what I did is I got the some circle bases and just cut them into squares. And then to the right size of like the, the walls of the
2: chariots. Oh, okay. So
1: I used the, the walls of the chariots of the original ones, and the wheels from my bits box, and then an old Games Workshop base for the, the bottom. And then I made like, a sh- like a, an axle and, a, and, a, and some kind of springy things out of, the, out of some sprues and old bits. And then used the actual chassis bit for, from the chariot itself and basically kind of just converted up some chariots and uh, I just tested it now and it was like a perfect fit for the base so it, it like underhangs the base by about three or four mil on each side which is just enough for the other two chariots to to fit in together so now I have a perfect <sighs> unit of of three <laughs> Sweet So it's, it's taking quite a bit of effort to convert them but they, they look okay and then the, the other challenge I had was what, what pigs do I want to use so as I said, I bought some Allophox pigs to try them, and they they look they're a little small,
2: but they they look okay. I and mean, Alex can give you a verdict of what they look like. Yeah, I think they look awesome. they you know, they've got nice tusks on them. They got yeah. a sweet mohawk.
1: Yeah, they they look, they look the models are really nice, but they're just a little smaller than the the Mantic ones, which are more kind of Games Workshop scale, just for comparison. You can give a, a verdict.
2: Alex. Yeah, I mean the mantic ones have got are like a little bit more like muscular. Yeah. They've got they're a little bit o- over exaggerated. They kind of look like mutant pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they've got like some serious deltoids on there yeah. <laughs> on, on their four feet yeah. or four. Whereas legs. these are more
1: like uh, like two scale, like yeah. historical scale wild boars. Probably. Yeah, they, those ones look like proper boars. Yeah. So that, but these chariots are also going to be like a little smaller than the other ones, so it should work out okay. So that, that's, that's what I'm, uh, I'm laboriously working on at the moment. But I think it's an in- interesting uh, challenge at least. Like how I actually came around to the, the conclusion. Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. yeah, like, what, what I don't get is why you didn't try to solve it through just making some, like, different basing. Like, having uh, maybe the middle chariot be on, like, some kind of plateau that raises it up above, li- above a little bit or something.
1: But chariots can't drive on plateaus.
0: <laughs> well, who cares? Like, I, I think my, uh, my um, pharaoh on the chariots, he's, like, driving his chariot over a little... Yeah, a little outcropping, so it's probably about to take some dangerous rain.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, did, I did consider lots of options, but for me, this gave me an excuse to buy my models and, <laughs> uh, yeah. and I'd already made the bases, so I didn't want to kind of go back on work that I already did. Yeah. And I've also been seen as the coronavirus has not quarantined me, but put me... At home, I've also been working on uh, some Barrow guards. So I built forty Barrow guards with hand weapon shield out of the the Fireforge Games Forgotten World Zombie Warrior guys. Mm-hmm. They they look really nice. I made some nice uh, unit fillers. Made like one guy with his head being cut off, as you you we talked about yesterday. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm really happy. Yeah, it turned out really well. Yeah. I think so as well. I think when it's when it's painted with all the blood effects, it's gonna look great. Yeah. Yeah,
0: did you finish off like a whole unit of ghouls as well?
1: Yeah. Th- 30 ghouls in two days. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was a weekend, but uh, it was, I did, I did contrast paint on the skin and it was my first attempt at contrast paint and it, I think it worked out really well. It's super yeah. easy to use, really fast. So I, I would thoroughly recommend that stuff.
0: Yeah, I've also found it beard to be really, really useful, especially for like especially for skin. If you have like a model that has a, a lot of one type of skin color, then you could just like slather it on and it looks good in one coat.
1: Yeah. I also like I use the black one over white for the ghouls, so they look kinda of like grey skin. Mm. Um but I actually also really like it like washing the black one over metal to give it like a darker yeah. effect.
0: I think in general, all those colors over metal. Like, if you want to have, for say, for example, you have want to have a warrior with like a metallic-looking red armor, and you just spray it metal or coat it with a metal paint, and then just go red contrast over. It looks really good,
2: actually.
1: Hmm. Noted. Th- that's that's what I recommended to you. Actually, was something similar, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I tried. I, think I tried it with like washes, and I tried it with like a red ink, and it it kind of didn't end up the way I. I had hoped, so then I... Yeah, the contrast is a little bit different. I, I, I can't, like, put my finger on what makes it different, but, it, it, it like, I, I know I know what you're talking about, that it does, doesn't look as good when you do it with a wash or something like that. Yeah, and I, I just found that the, the color, like, the, the red ink that I found was just, a, like, the wrong kind of red, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it was a little bit too too red. And then I tried, like, I tried, like muting it down with... Uh, with like a, a sepia, I tried it with a with like a, a black ink as well, and then and then you need to like water it down too, just to make sure the metal actually shows through. Um, but yeah, I mean the contrast paints sound interesting. These are the Games Workshop ones. The- yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So something to keep in mind when you work with washes or contrast paint is that if you if you use water to thin them, then they uh, they lose some of their properties. Like they still kind of work, but you don't get. Uh, like for example, with a wash, it it becomes out a lot more blotchy if you uh, mix it with water rather than if you just use the wash or if you like mix it with a wash medium.
2: Okay. Ah, okay. So I probably need to get like a like a wash medium or something. Is it
1: is it the lamia medium thing? Uh yeah. For washes, it's Lamia medium,
0: but they they have a special one for contrast. I'm not sure if there's a difference between lamia medium and contrast medium, but uh, you know, it's it, it's at least different from water. That, that
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> of. It's like at least making you pay for it and see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: So how about you, Customer? have you been working on any hobby stuff in Belgium? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been, uh, so I re- with the recent move to Belgium,
0: it took me like a little bit to get my stuff down to Belgium, but I managed to move all my paints and uh, some of my models. So I've been uh, painting my uh, chosen knight units that I converted for quite a while ago now.
1: These are, uh, so I, these I, are the ones from the Games Workshop kit, right? Yeah, exactly. So I took
0: the uh, Gorgranta kit, which is like these huge pigs and uh, essentially I just they have orcs riding them I just cut off the orcs and uh, put some blight kings they kind of nerdly dudes uh, on top like their torsos and just did some green stuff and it worked actually really well
1: yeah the scale and, is perfect
0: yeah it's like it looks really natural like the legs fit to the bodies you know like they just look like they should be there uh, so yeah so I, I I've been painting them and I finished one so far and I've uh, I've gone quite far on another one and I think they turn out really well
1: so how how is the the speed painting warriors coming along? Are you back to your old uh, habits?
0: I think with this unit, I kind of returned a little bit to my old ways, just because I I was like so happy with the conversion that I couldn't quite like bring myself to not put effort into them. <laughs> but but I, what I did actually, which I wanted to talk about, was um, like previously i have almost always been batch painting walls. Like for example, now I have free chosen knights. I. Traditionally, I would paint you all three at the same time, so I would do like, you know, the armor, then the skin, and so on. Yeah. But I, actually decided to put paint one at a time, and I found it like a lot more enjoyable. And also, I feel like it goes faster for me because I don't get bored with it. Interesting. Like you, because like you have one model and you see the progress. Like I don't think it's the same for you know, a unit of infantry, but when when it's kind of big, like an ogre-sized model. You just kind of, or for me at least, if I spend the whole evening just doing base coats on on like all three, it just feels really demoralizing. But then when I was painting one, I got through like the base coats in one evening, and then I could start highlighting, and it just like becomes more fun.
1: Okay, I mean, I I'm I have like a mixed opinion on this uh, batch painting thing. Like when I when I do it, I tend to do if I'm doing big models, then I do one at a time. But like with my goals yeah. this this weekend, I did something like. I think the first batch was like 6 and then the second batch was 6 or 7 and then the last batch was 4 because that's all I had left. Yeah. So it was like a mixture of a mixture of uh, batches and stuff. And in this case it was it was much easier for me to do batches. I think if yeah. I'd have done one at a time I would have got a bit demoralized as you say. So yeah. maybe it's a yeah, personal it's, thing. I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on the kind of model you're painting. it's just that I think I've been... Previously, I've been taking on two big batches of stuff. Like, you know, I would have, like, a unit of 10 infantry, and I would do all 10 at the same time. And it would just, you know, like, slow down progress a little bit too much, like you do in the, in the sense that, you know, maybe time-wise, you're getting, like, a lot out of it, but it doesn't feel like it because every evening you get, like, an hour or two to paint or something, and then that hour or two it's just spent doing one thing across 10 moles, and it just doesn't feel...
1: Uh, I mean I mean that's
0: like you don't feel maybe not the same way.
1: Maybe that's where you're going wrong. I mean I I was taking like a whole day basically to do uh, to do the whole unit. Yeah. So I mean if you're only doing like 1 hour of painting then obviously you just choose one model and get it done.
0: Yeah, exactly
2: How 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 many batches, how many are you doing Alex at one time? Um, so I've found that like 7 is about where I I'm on the border of losing my mind, so <laughs> Have you
1: have you painted any like uh, big or big models or characters yet?
2: No, I've just been doing the uh, warriors. Uh, just the sword and board warriors. Yeah. But uh, because I wanted to just get the whole block done to feel, you know what I mean? To feel like i I finished a block of my army. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't want, I wanted to do them and I don't want to come back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I have sure. um, yeah. gotten like a bunch. I've gotten basically 36 of these sword and board warriors online. Some guy had uh, was selling like two um, units of 18. And it was like 150 kroner each. I don't know how much that works out to in euro, but maybe 25 euro each or something 20, like 20 that. 20
1: euros or something?
2: Yeah, so it was like pretty cheap. Uh, that's, they yeah, were, that's really good actually. They were already glued down, um, which I actually. I'm kind of glad that they were assembled because it saved me a bunch of time. But then um, I'm going to rebase them also. So there's going to be some extra time yeah. spent there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just kind of had them sitting on the shelf as I was getting my paints together. You know, because I, I basically had to build, build my paint uh, collection from scratch. And, you know, getting paints, getting brushes, getting like uh, some uh, base coat and all that kind of stuff or primer. And uh, so I was just kind of, had been staring at them and then I tore all their arms off, right? (laughs) Uh, And then, so I'm staring at this like, these like 36 sword and board warriors just sitting on my shelf. And I was like, I just need, I just need to do these, you know, like I need to get them done. And when they're done, like I'm when I'm done the next, when I'm done these last seven, I'll have 28. And I think to me, I just felt like that's good enough.
1: That's like two. That's two solid units. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you can play I two mean, times fourteen is reasonable in the game. Yeah. yeah. I think I think you should just have a look at the points for
0: the game and like realistically, you're almost never going above uh, minimum core. So it's like, how many warriors do you get if you just go warriors in minimum core and like that probably works out to around twenty eight. I would guess
1: yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah. If you have one unit for sure.
0: Yeah and if you split them I mean I don't think you get two 20s in 20s in a normal in a normal game
1: mm, probably not quite I don't it depends yes. on how you equip them right yeah
0: exactly but but uh, my point anyway is, is that 28 is probably probably a good spot probably enough
1: especially yeah. if you want some other types of units in core
2: so I don't need like 36 anyway mm, probably not no
1: yeah unless you want different yeah. weapon
2: options right yeah but now I've got them all magnetized so I can do that anytime. <laughs> anytime I want.
1: <laughs> so
2: are you when you're building your army
1: Alex are you are you thinking about what list you want to run or are you actually just building
2: units that you like or I mean it's a little bit of column A a little bit of column B like the thing is that I haven't tried all of the um, I haven't tried all of the unit types in the warriors yet so there's yeah. a bunch of stuff I don't know anything about so I don't know if I'll if I'll like them or if I'll see like, really nice synergy with them later and be like, oh, shit, I need to get those now. Right, like, another thing is, you know, like, coming over here and just playing tabletop with you, like, you know, it's okay to say, like, okay, this is a, this is actually these units, right? So yeah, I yeah, can yeah. try it out. And then if I'm like, oh, that was really cool, then I can go out and buy them and build them Yeah. after that, right? Um, but if you're playing in a tournament, it's a little different. Yeah, obviously. Then I, I kind of figure that by the time I get... By the time I get to the tournament, (laughs) I'm going to have to have made some decisions about what my army is going to be like.
1: And I think by the time you've, by the time you've painted your army, you will have probably played a lot more games. Yeah. And so by then, hopefully you have a better idea of what you want to use.
2: Yeah. Like when I get into the... Yeah, exactly. When I actually get into playing it.
1: Have you, have you actually had any games, Casimir, while you've been in Belgium? No, I've been there trying to, <laughs> to set some up,
0: but uh, it's been a little bit uh, tough. I mean, most of all, in the beginning it was because I couldn't get my army down, but uh, now with all the coronavirus and stuff, it's, uh, it's becoming difficult.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, so I guess we should uh, talk a little bit about my trip to Scottish Championships.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So where should we start? I mean... Uh, <laughs> How would you do? I came fifth place. Alright. That's good. So pretty good. Um, I don't really want to go into the games so much.
0: But no, but you could uh, maybe talk about, like, you you tried out the Phoenix. That was really the, the new thing, right? So you could talk about how that experience was.
1: Yeah, so my list was, like, a little bit experimental. So if you if you listen to the Man Get Radio podcast, as I said on that podcast, um, it was, like, a reasonably experimental list, at least some of the options for me. I hadn't used them before. Um, So, just to quickly recap what I took, I had um, a Pyro Wizard on foot, with the the Book of Melodies and Order of the Fiery Heart, and then the uh, Gleaming Robe, so that basically turns it into like a combat mage. So it has a 3 plus Aegis save, so you can stand in the front of a unit and not get killed. Dope. And then the, the Fiery Heart allows it to cast, cast its spells into combat.
2: So, so that, while you're standing in combat you can still yeah,
1: cast you can still cast spells. So one of the downsides of pyromancy is that if your wizard is in combat, then it, it can't cast spells because it, it, you can't make use of a lot of your pyromancy spells. I mean, you can use things like Cleansing Fire, which is a, a hex and not a missile. But in general, like a lot of your your spells are not useful. So my f- my thinking behind this is that if I want it to stand in the front in combat and actually make use of it, then it's really good to have the Order of the Fiery Heart. Yeah, and what
0: even, was the restrictions on, on where you can cast those spells
1: when you're in combat? Is it the same combat you're in or somewhere else? Yeah, you c- it can only be in the same combat. And actually, okay. something I realized was that uh, you can't cast it. Like if you get charged in the rear, I don't think you can cast it because it's it wouldn't it wouldn't be in your front arc, and a lot of the spells are damage missile. Ah, uh, yeah. So that, that's like uh, one one restriction to it, but I think it's also fair. Yeah. Um. I also had the prince on a dragon, just uh, in his pants with a great weapon, obsidian rock, and the reaver bow. And I I like this because there's a lot there's some matchups where the dragon doesn't really wanna fight that much. He just wants to fly around and if he's flying around doing nothing, it's a bit of a waste. So if he's flying around shooting stuff it's slightly more optimal. Yep. So that and I think that choice was really beneficial in a lot of games actually. I, I really like the choice. I've tried it before and it hasn't really worked for me, but this time it really worked for me. Um, I also had the standard BSB build, the Rig Tower with the three spells, BSB and uh, the Book of Arcane Mastery. Also with a great weapon, just because he gets plus one to hit and it's 10 points. And so that's my characters. And then in core I had 20 Seaguard with a Rhymo banner. I had 20 Spearmen with just a Musician. The Sea Guard also had Full Command. Uh, I had two units of Reavers, which was the, another thing that was quite new for me. And... Um, that was my core. Then in Special I had 19 Swordmasters. Which is also like a little different, like normally I'm taking a smaller unit of Swordmasters. And then uh, I had No Eagle, which was... Which was also one reason why I was trying the Reavers, and I had a unit of Rhymonites. and then I had in the other categories I had eight Grey Watchers with shields, which was obviously quite a new thing, and then also a Flame Phoenix with a Warden's Bond. So, so that was the that was the list. Um, Obviously, it worked reasonably well because I had a good result. Um, the new the new stuff in the list with the Phoenix, the the Book of Melodies, the two Reavers, and the Grey Watchers everything worked really well. So I'm, maybe I've just been doing it wrong for all this time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so is this like affecting what you think you're gonna be taking the forward?
1: Yeah, for sure, actually. I actually really like how the list works. I think the only mistake I really made with the list building is not giving bows to the reavers. It was. It would have been ten points for ten more shots, and they would have been reasonably useful. Yeah, because
0: and they don't uh, like they don't really they get to shoot enough before they die. I guess.
1: I mean, for five points. Oh yeah, sure. Five points right. per unit. It's it's a it's a no brainer.
0: Yeah, but, that's uh, actually really
1: cheap. But in the past, I've just not used them that much. I mean that. If I'm honest, they are there in the list to be redirectors, not to be support units. Yeah. So it's like another 10 points that you're giving to your opponent in some way. Yeah, but then again, like in the first turn, they're not
0: redirecting, so then they're shooting. And then in the second turn, maybe not even redirecting yet, so that's a 2 round shooting. And on the third turn, if they're redirecting, it can still shoot on the turn they redirect, so...
1: Yeah, exactly. And they can also, like, stand with their rear to the enemy and shoot, so... (laughs)
0: Yeah, they, they kind of yeah you just make... kind of turn to what you want to shoot at.
1: Yeah, and still re- and still be effective redirectors. There was, there was a few games where like there was like one dog left or something like that, and just yeah, having like those I... five shots would have been really useful.
0: Yeah, that's what I found when I played uh, Two King um, or uh, Undying Dynasties uh, Horse Archers. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a beer uh, that I'm drinking,
3: so...
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- that's what I found with them, is that it, they, those like, five extra shots that you get from them, is are really useful to like pick off those last few wounds if you, uh, you know, you cast a spell at the unit because you really need to clear that chaff unit. And there's one you wound left, and you have those five kind of like small shots that nobody expects to do anything, but they can make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and so I think I think that was definitely one mistake in the list, and I mean you could you could kind of argue that the it cost me those extra points in some way as well. Mm. Like, I, I probably would have done a lot better had I had those extra shots. Um, but I mean the the book of melodies. Just going from the top, that was that was fantastic. Actually, I think okay. it's well worth its points. I think it's a hundred points. But it.
0: So so what is its uh, effect? Is this the one where you get to like reroll a die?
1: Yeah, so you get to reroll one dice per magic phase, both in your magic phase and in your opponent's magic phase. Ah uh, yeah. So I used it. I didn't use it that much in my opponent's magic phase because I think it's too risky. So, in, in your own magic phase, it allows you to more reliably two dice stuff. And if anyone's ever played me, they know I like to two dice spells a lot. And especially with pyromancy, when you're... Uh, when you have like a pyroplastic flow that's based on a seven plus, and then you're high elf, so it's a six plus, so then you're master, so you need a five on dice. So, that, like, that, those times where you only roll a four, and it just fucks your magic phase really bad. Yeah. It just it's so good. It's so so good. And also in those like key rolls where you're like, you're really going for a big roll and you're like, okay, there's like a, a scorching salvo or there's a, a bubble flaming sword and you've hit the casting value, and you, you there's no way that there's no way that you can miscast, and it's all your dice, and then you're like, okay, I'm just gonna re-roll this one because why not? Yeah. And then you it just push it, push it over the edge for them to dispel it. And the fact that you can, you don't have to re-roll all the dice. You only have to re-roll. You can, you can choose which dice you re-roll. Yeah, it just makes it so so powerful.
0: Yeah, it really sounds like it. Sounds like uh, it's it's kind of similar to the hourglass, except that it's. I mean, it's not as. They're like powerful, I would say, in the sense that for two dicing, but just the versatility uh, brings it
1: back. Yeah, and and also you can use it in your opponent's phase, like as a as a risk, a risk. Like if you if you really want to risk a spell on like a seven or an eight on two dice, you can like ah uh, well, mate. I, honestly, I wouldn't use it in my opponent's magic phase that in that way. Like when you need a seven and you're rolling two oh. dice, I'd rather just roll three and be safe because usually. Usually, the the downside of get of the spell actually going off is much worse. Yeah, but don't you? I mean, don't you just have this as like kind of a safety net?
4: So even if you roll three dice, but you totally like roll like pants, you can still roll yeah, one
1: of them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, one 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 weird thing that I found with it was actually um, let's say let's say you roll it. You need a seven to, to dispel the spell, and you only have. And you have like, you Okay, and you and you want to risk it. So okay, I'm gonna roll two dice. So you roll a one and a three. So you you're gonna re-roll the one, obviously. So you it's basically a four plus on a one dice. Yeah. And then you dispel the spell. So this happened to me in one game where I, I tried to roll the four plus, and I failed. But instead of rolling a one, I rolled a two. So this is okay. really this is really bad, because. Oh uh, yeah, I can see. Because yeah. when I. Originally I would have fizzled one dice, and he would have got the spell off, but because I chose to re-roll it, it meant that uh, that I actually lost a dice. So yeah,
0: because you didn't get
1: fizzled. Yeah, because I didn't get fizzled. So actually in this case, if I really wanted to choose a re-roll, it would have been better to me to re-roll the 3 and go for a 6, than uh, re-roll the 1 and, and try and get the 4+. plus.
0: Yeah, if, if that extra dice back is, is important,
1: yeah. then yeah, it depends on the magic phase and the spells and stuff. But it's interesting point to make. Yeah,
0: yeah. So like, not don't, don't re-roll ones basically. If if you need to, like, if it makes a big difference to fizzle or not. Yeah,
1: like if you if you roll like two ones <laughs> and a and a five or something, and you needed like an eight, then it's it's better to just to take the spell or not re-roll it and take the fizzle in some cases. So just, just like think about it a bit more before you start rolling those dice, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I see. So that was something that I learned from the tournament, at least. Um, the other new the other new stuff, like the Reavers. So the, the, I think the question is not, are Reavers good? Reavers are reasonably good. But it's like, do you want your your redirectors coming out of core? Or do you want to take an eagle and, and redirectors coming out of special? Yeah. So, for me, like taking the points out of core was an experiment because I, I'm, I'm normally taking an eagle and I don't really bother with uh, reavers. I think if you're taking reavers, it's, it's also like double the points of an eagle if, uh, if you're giving it away to your opponent, which is obviously not ideal. It's you're giving away 400 points a game instead of 100 points a game, or 200 points yeah. if you take two eagles. And I don't necessarily know if this is better. But at the same time, taking the points out of core is obviously, obviously better from like a list perspective, right? Yeah. So I think it's in, in some way it's better, but in some way it's worse. So I mean, if if you really want redirectors, I would suggest instead of taking two units of reavers, take one unit of reavers out of core and one eagle. Then you then you kind of have the best of both worlds. But uh, I did. Yeah, but
0: uh, that's what you usually do, is that?
1: I, I'm taking usually one or the other. Oh, okay. But uh, I think in, in the future I will probably try with one unit of Reavers and see if that's enough. But uh, I found that two units was certainly better than one Eagle. Yeah,
0: but, but like one isn't, isn't it quite good to have one Eagle and one unit of Reavers
1: then? Yeah, so I think maybe that's better, but then, then that's 200 points of your core that you're not really using that much, but maybe in core it's okay. It also depends on how the units fit into core. So, yeah, of course. So if, if you need like another 50 points in a Seaguard unit, then maybe maybe you don't take the Reavers and you just fill up the rest of your core with sea guards rather than spending 180 on Reavers. Yeah. So there's, I think there's a lot of considerations to take into account, but in the end, the Reavers are actually reasonably good. Okay. Um... The other new stuff I took um, like the the gray Watchers were okay like we, we talked a bit, little bit about this on the on the forum as well and uh, as I said there I didn't think the fame asthma really did much
0: yeah I
1: can imagine so for those who don't know what the fame asthma does um, is it a special war that the gray watchers have so every every hit that you do against a unit they have to take a resilience test, and if you if you fail, if you fail the resilience test, then you get minus one to hit for shooting and for combat.
2: Every hit. Yeah, but you only get minus one
1: once, but you, for every hit you have to take a resilience test.
2: So you yeah. so you roll f- like five attacks, you get four hits. Yeah.
1: So then After you roll, roll four, four resilience tests. tests, and if you fail one, then you get minus one. Exhausting. So like on paper, this sounds like
0: it should have a, quite a high percentage of going through. So what, what was the issue?
1: Uh, it wasn't necessarily the issue of going through. Uh, I mean, when if, if you're if you're shooting something with res 5 or higher, then obviously the likelihood of it going through is not as high as it would be against like a lower res unit. No, no, but, but it's, surely if it's like res 4, it should be still... like if you get... I don't know, on average do you get 3 hits maybe? No, no, no. I mean, they hit on 2+, most of the time, so you... Oh, okay, so you so get a lot of hits. Even against res 6, you should get... You should... They still should get the minus 1. But yeah. the, the issue is more like how useful the effect actually is. Like, there's okay. not really that many times that it affects combat so much. And I found that I wasn't really using it to shoot the combat units all that much. I was more using them as a, in a support role, like clearing chaff and things. Oh, because yeah. because the shots were the shots were more valuable in that area
0: yeah and then they could might as well be a queen's Guard, right
1: yeah in some respects um there was one matchup where it worked really well i was playing against dwarves in in like a, a bit of a standoffish game and so my shooting was shooting at his shooting and it was also it was the it was the target that i wanted to shoot at and also benefited that every hit that I did did a minus one to hit, so he yep. he was shooting back at me in a in a worse way. So so that was actually that worked really well in that matchup, but that was really the only matchup that it made a big lot of difference. I also didn't play against that many war machines. Okay. So that was uh, that was also something that where they where they do excel, of course. And with the phoenix and the dragon in the list, that was one of the reasons why I took them. I think the the biggest benefit that I got out of them was actually the having them as a bunker for my BSB. The, 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 I think the unit costs 229 points. So it's reasonably cheap. And it's really maneuverable and the, it allows the BSB to, to move around wherever he wants. He like a really good uh, range for his spells because He's so manoeuvrable. If he's in the Queen's Guard, he's kind of they're they're obviously more of a shooting unit than they are a bunky unit. So he's kind of limited to where they where they need to be to use their shots in the best way. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, I see what you mean. So I mean, like a light troops unit is always great for uh for a caster. I would say.
1: Yeah. So so in that respect, the the Grey Watchers were really useful, and I think that's. That's what I would put them in the list for in the future, and I would certainly consider them again in that role because they were so good at it. Just having that maneuverability with the with the healing, it was so so good.
0: Yeah, I think you can like mirror this idea actually in that warriors list by uh, putting a sorcerer in a fallen unit. And uh, that also is uh, it's like quite a manoeuvrable way to have a ba- a bunker that comes out of core, for example, yeah, and can like move around and
2: hide and, and pick its targets.
1: You've actually been doing this, right, Alex? You've had the wizard in the fallen guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's nice because it it uh, as far as I can tell, yeah, it it makes them uh, well able to cast and not and also you know they're in somebody, so
1: yeah, they can't get. Picked out of yeah. the unit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the grey watchers, they I don't think they died in any game, and the BSB didn't die in any game either. So they, I mean, they, to that extent, they did their job. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of people playing the BSB like in a combat setup or something similar, where he's like in the front line of a unit, and I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I get. don't you have to invest in protection
1: in that case? Yeah, I mean, if you do that, then you're, you're probably not going to be taking the, the book, which I think is really, really good for him. Yeah. Which is kind of like also partly why the magic is so good, because you have the dual threat, you have the book, and then you have the plus one with a reroll. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, th- I think the Grey Watchers, while the Fey Miasma is is a bit of a gimmick and and very situational and matchup dependent, I think the unit is actually quite useful as a as a bunker for a, a wizard. In conclusion, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Phoenix, on the other hand, was fantastic. It did it did so well. Um, it it died, I think, in one game, and I forgot to do the the rebirth. Oops. But apart from that, it, it did fantastic. Um, I think the the sweeping attack is not all that good. To be honest. Okay. Um, it's more about, it's actual combat potential is really good. So it has four attacks. It has D6 grinds and D6 stomps. And That's a strength 5? or. Everything is strength 4, oh sorry. Everything is strength 5 apart from the grinds. Okay. So it's D6 stomps at strength five and four attack strength five and then D6 stomps strength four AP1. So it actually has quite a big uh, damage output. Yeah. On a small frontage. It's perfect for going into infantry units. And I think the yeah, like-, like the threat of of having it there just puts people a lot of people on the back foot. Yeah, definitely. Like it has this, it has the same
0: similar type of uh, like function as cosine uh, uh, does in uh, in UD. I think, of course, not with the same kind of strength in the output. But as soon as you have a monster that also grinds, it's just so many hits that's uh, coming into a unit, and it can really, it's like, stack through the combat rest uh, really fast.
1: Yeah, like in in the first game, it was. Um By grind, you mean like the auto-hits, or...? Yeah, exactly. It has grind attacks in the same way as the retard guys. Yeah. So, in the first game I played Beast Herds, and uh, it was like flying over some Longhorns, and just doing the sweeping attack, which was fine. Um, But after a few turns, I realized that it didn't really do that much against res 4 troops with an armor save. Yeah. So I stopped doing that, and then just charged it into some Chariots, where it actually did really well, because against the Chariots, there's not that many attacks coming back against it, and um, and the attacks that I have against it are reasonably effective. So that was quite a good matchup for it. Yeah. In the in the second game, it was dwarves, so it like kind of made its way around the back, and then um, charge charge uh, the what's it called the. Not the altar, the anvil. It charged the anvil off at the last turn and kept its points. Nice. And then, uh, against the vampires in the next game, it did really well. It, it was just like flying over barrow guards and ghouls and stuff and, and being really annoying and just getting in the way. Yeah. And then I played against orcs and basically, it got hit by a comet and lost four wounds in the second turn. <sighs> Alex is sniggering to himself. Yeah, Comet. <laughs> uh, that that Comet was fucking ridiculous. It's actually quite a good story. I was playing against James from Team Island. And um, and he rolled a Comet in the first turn. And I kind of I wanted to stop the Totem Beast more than I wanted to stop the Comet. And I figured I can just move away from the Comet, it'll be fine. So I let him have the Comet. And then in, uh. the, in my turn, I cast the Favor. Cause I was like okay, if I'm gonna get hit by the comet, I'm gonna have the favour up to to stop the wounds. So I had it had it up, and I had three veil tokens already stacked up, and everything was there. And then uh, he rolled the distance, and it was he rolled a double six for the distance. Oh. I was just like, fuck you. Oh, and he like straight away killed a unit of reavers, which were like twelve inches away. And then uh, he hit the phoenix. Rolled a double six. Oh, shit. I was like, oh fuck! He rolled pretty bad on the on the wounds though, and uh, after the saves and the hereditary spell, he it was on one wound left. Oh wow! So it, oh, wow. that was pretty bad. And yeah. then uh, he rolled a double six on the sword masters and killed Oof. like seven or something after the hereditary spell. Oh,
4: yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, it was it was basically just pretty bad. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, but but then the Phoenix uh, charged in with the Swordmasters into the Orcs and just absolutely pulverized the Orcs. I mean the sword ma- <laughs> the Swordmasters did most of the heavy lifting. Of, yeah, course, of course. But uh, it did pretty well. And then um, and then overran and just acted as chaff and got killed by some iron orcs, but that was the turn of the game I actually forgot to resurrect it. Because it has a rebirth roll, Alex. So when it, it dies, work, yeah. when it dies, uh, you roll a three plus, and if you roll a three or more, it just comes back to life on one wound. Three. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, but no, that's, that's for that's for one time. Yeah, yeah only one time. Yeah. But uh, I've never actually used it because it's been alive like every every game until the end, apart from that one game where I forgot to use it. So I don't really know if it's good. Um,
0: so like is that that's an upgrade right to
1: yeah. get it to resurrect well it, well it always resurrects but it resurrects on a 5 plus but okay. because I had the warden's bond it makes it a 3 plus
0: So the warden's bond does it give you anything else other than the resurrection
1: Yeah so you get two extra strength for attacks from the dude Yeah you get discipline 9 which is really important and you also yeah. get uh, Martial discipline so you get the the 3d6 on the panic te- or 3d6 on the or the leadership test apart from panic and Break tests. Oh okay,
0: yeah, so it's probably worth it anyway.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it's definitely definitely worth it for the upgrade. Hmm. Just from it from my experience of one tournament, I think it's really definitely worth it. Yeah, then, so
0: so all in all the Phoenix will stay?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think in the last the last game it was banners. So I tasked the, the I was playing Wimp Warriors and okay. the only thing that the Phoenix could really affect was the Barbarian Horseman. Because that was the everything else was too heavily armored or resist, resistant to fire in some way. So basically, the Phoenix spent the whole game um, chasing down the barbarian cavalry and taking the objective, which was perfectly fine. It yeah. Actually, almost died at one point, but uh, that was just to bad rolls more than anything.
0: Yeah, I understand. Like I, I think that the, this is the kind of unit which. I mean, like, the sweeping attack to me is similar to the bows on the chaff in the sense that, you know, it, it has a, a way to affect the game before it gets, like, stuck in and commits, which can be really useful. In the sense, like, you know, if somebody if nobody's really threatening you, you can just flap around over them and you don't have to commit. Yeah. Whereas a regular, a regular monster, it would have to, like you know, either do nothing
1: or commit to something. Uh, so, like, that kind of utility makes it a lot better. Yeah, it's also fly nine, so it's really fast. Oh, Jesus, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like the Phoenix. I'll be using it a bit more, I think, in future. Um, I don't know if two is better than one, but uh, I quite like the dragon, and I don't think you can have two Phoenixes and a dragon, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe you can if you get that special hero that increases the... Uh, yeah, allowance
1: yeah maybe, way. but... But then yeah, then all the characters have to be on gigantic hands. Oh yeah. So maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Phoenix is really good. So there's quite a lot of new stuff in the list really, and uh, the tournament obviously went really well. I made one really stupid mistake where I charged my dragon into a vampire that sh- I shouldn't have charged into, and that like was quite a big swing in the in the game. But so it, I should have won that game, but then I lost and yeah. But such is life, I made the mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about one game that I had. I wanted to talk about this game because I think it's a really interesting way of uh, how high elves play, or highborn elves. Mm-hmm. Because the, uh, the guy I was playing against, he was really surprised in how the game went. And uh, I was not surprised how the game went oh. at all. Um, it was a really bad matchup for me. I was playing against Warriors in the last game. A guy called James McCormack, really nice guy. He took his hammering like a champ. Um, it, was, it was like a Feldrack list. So he had six feldraks which are obviously resistant to fire. And he had a movement banner on them. So they were Advanced 9 March 18. And this was a unit that I just couldn't deal with in any way. Because the pyro doesn't affect it very well, I don't have like bolt throwers in my list. Um, I have one quicksilver lash, which is okay, but because I'm rerolling wounds against them, it doesn't really do that much. And these were a, these were a big problem unit for me. And then he also had two feldrek elders, which also pose exactly the same problem. Yeah. And The dragon can't really fight either of them because they reroll to hit against it because it flies. So, so these three units were really problematic for me and I, I don't know whether he didn't realize how problematic they were or he didn't understand the special rules that well, I don't know, but he didn't really use them in the right way in my opinion. He also had two Giants, four Chosen Knights, um, a big block of Warriors and uh, two Chaff units. And um, yeah, so, so it was like a diagonal deployment and the scenario was banners. So, the way that the battlefield was, obviously it's a diagonal, and I'm going bottom left to top right. And I'm deploying on the bottom, and he's deploying on the top. So there was a big piece of impassable in the middle, and this kind of made meant that we were going to be fighting on one, one side or the other. And then there was another small impassable in the top right corner, where you could just kind of move around it, maybe with a dragon or something. not a unit and I was like okay I can maybe use that to hide behind so we we kind of traded off deployments a bit and he wanted to keep his feldraks back of course because they're the key unit what happened was he put his dogs down to the top of his deployment zone on the my right side but I knew that they would be in range if I moved up with the sea guard in one turn to shoot them so that was kind of my plan, like just to neutralize the trap in the first turn. And next to them he put the big block of Chosen Knights. And to two- the,
0: So like lower, more in the center?
1: Or- yeah, yeah, exactly. So in between the two pieces of Impassable basically on my right, he had the Dogs and the Chosen Knights. And he maybe also put a Giant down on either side as well. I'm not sure which one went down, but at this point I decided to drop and take the first turn so I could shoot at him basically. And um and then what happened was he put the other giant down on the other side of the chosen knights. He put the Feldraks and the warriors down on the left side of the impassable. So the warriors next to the impassable and then the feldrax on the other side of the impassable of the other side of the warriors on my left. So the yep. Feldraks, obviously they're really fast, but they they were going to take a couple of turns to get round. And then he had both of the of the of the elder Feld, the big Feldrax on the yeah. on the right side, like behind the dogs. So this was pretty worrying because he had overloaded on my right side where I'd actually deployed. And on his left side, he had the Warriors and the Feldraks which are like two units that I couldn't really deal with like coming around to late game. So on the face of things, it looked really bad. Like I had four monsters and the Chosen Knights coming through the impassable terrain and then the warriors and the feldrax coming round on my side on to like outflank me basically. So I was Ouch. gonna get caught in a pincer movement in like completely. So what I chose to do was um, put my rhymonites on the left side to zone off the Feldrax and the Warriors. The Phoenix in the middle just with the just with the option to like use the impassable terrain to hide behind and then go after the Barbarians, which he'd put at the back. And then um, my, my sea guard and Swordmasters were in the middle, uh, on the right side, to hopefully fight the Chosen Knights, because that's probably the only unit that I can actually fight. I put my Spears, like, with the intention of hiding behind the impassable terrain, and trying to stay alive. If his, if his feldrax pushed in the middle, and if his feldractor went around the outside, then I would be able to push them the other side of the impassable terrain and hide. And then I had my Reavy units just in the middle to chaff. And then you put the dragon behind the impassable on the right side to hide and hide and also shoot. And also just be far away from the, the wizard which was in the warriors. And I think then the the Grey Watchers were just hanging out behind somewhere. So so basically on the face of things, it looks really bad for me. Like, if he just pushes everything in my face, I'm just gonna die. Yeah. So, and, and I had some interesting matchups in the magic phase. Like, I couldn't magic off, really, the fell tracks Uh, I could, I could use the Pyro to kill the Giants, and the dogs. And also the Barbarians, but the Barbarians are gonna hide behind the impassable in the middle for, like, the whole game. And the Phoenix is obviously gonna try and hunt them down. So, My priorities were to to kill the Chaff in the first turn with my shooting and then try and kill the Giants with Pyro avoid the feldrax and kill the Chosen Knights Yeah So, in my first turn I just moved up everything within shooting range so I could like start pew-pewing him I killed one unit of dogs in the first turn and um, with my shooting I killed, I think I did about three or four wounds on a giant in the first turn. I, I killed one chosen knight with a combination of quicksilver lash and the, and the bow from the dragon. Yeah. So he was down to three chosen knights. So I, I did quite a lot of damage in the first turn. Um, in his turn he just like basically moved full speed towards me with everything. Um, the knights kind of get, bought me a little bit of time with the Feldrax. And I think I had some Reavers out here on this left side to block the Feldrax and sit just to buy me some time. Um, so they everything moved up on the left and then everything also moved up on the right like pretty fast. And what he did was he put both the Feldrax behind the uh, impassable on the right to hunt my spears. Because I, I mean maybe he saw that I was just going to try and hide them in the corner and avoid them the whole game. Then like, all the giants and moved up along with the Chosen Knights and then the Barbarians just kind of stayed behind. Um, his magic like, was pretty ineffective because he was out of range for everything and the Rhymer Knights have a two up against fire and he had alchemy. Oh, okay. So, I think this is the next turn is like the most important turn. Because I knew that I could probably kill at least one giant. And... Um, if I could kill one giant and one chosen knight, then my sword masters and sea guard would be able to handle um, the chosen knights in the middle. And because he's put his eldra the El- the feldra elders behind the building, there's going to be like another turn before they could do anything. So yeah. so this was the point in my turn two that I decided that I was just going to escape and play avoidance and just try and shoot some points off. So. The Phoenix kind of just hid a bit more behind the impassable, so it couldn't be seen by anything. the The Reavers went up to chaff the Feldrax and the Warriors in like a conga line to stop them. To just to give me one more turn. The the Rymanites kind of began their escape into the into my like bottom corner, and every all of my units pushed up. I didn't even I marched the Sea Guard because I just wanted to start escaping. I didn't want to shoot. I marched the Swordmasters into his face. I marched my, I think I moved my spearmen as much far forward as I could without being in range for a giant to charge them and then just moved everything else kind of up as much as possible um, I in the magic phase I actually killed another chosen knight again with uh, a quicksilver lash and the bow and then I finished the giant off so this meant that Facing my, my whole army, all he had left was one giant and two chosen knights. So if he wanted to charge something, then they were probably going to get killed. Because the the Feldrek elders were like just looking at nothing, and my whole army was already pushing between the two impassables, trying to escape. Ah, um, uh,
0: so so he went like kind of around on the outside
1: with the Feldrax. Yeah, exactly around the top right uh, impassable, which was a big mistake because yeah, that's yeah. the only thing that he could see was some spears. And uh, if he charged the spears, I would just flee, because because it was a reasonably long charge. So if the spears fled, they would just flee like into my uh, into my back corner and be safe. And it was banners, right? So the spears were really important that they stayed alive. Yeah. So in his in his turn, he tried he tried to charge the spears, and I fled. But I rolled a double one, <laughs> <laughs> and they got caught, which was really annoying. Because then I had a Feldrak in my backfield. But at this point, um, I didn't really care that much, so I just pushed everything up, the spears up, the Sea guard up, full speed. The the Grey Watchers at full speed. The Phoenix jumped over the Impassable terrain and flew over the Barbarians, did some wounds. I think the, at this point the the Reavers like had to redirect the other Feldrak Elder, which was also moved up into my backfield. And the dragon was just like dancing around them, um, using the impassable for cover and just shooting at the chosen knights. So again in this turn I managed to kill another chosen knight. And kill the second giant. So that basically all that was left was one chosen knight looking at me and my whole army was like already in his deployment zone. Like gone through the Impassables. And he had he had like the the Feldrax and the Warriors kind of if you're looking at it like a clock with the Impassable in the middle at like six o'clock. And my knights were like hanging out trying to zone stuff in the backfield. Hi. So, at this point, my escape had worked because I had not lost any points apart from one unit of Reavers because I just pushed all my army at the weak point of his army and he'd like flowed around my army and was now in my deployment zone looking at me and I was in his deployment zone looking at him Yeah So, but he'd actually taken one scoring unit from me already, so I was actually down on the scenario But I put my phoenix in a way that he couldn't really escape with his Barbarian Horseman. So basically what happened here from the rest of the game was that... My phoenix killed his Barbarian Horseman. I finished off his Chosen Knights with magic. And then I just avoided his army for the rest of the game. So at this point, let's say it's turn 5. He's killed both units of reavers. And I've killed two giants, a unit of dogs... A chosen knights and i've done a few wounds on a feldrak or something like that one of the eight elders so i'm up like 12 13 7 at this point but he's got this he we're, draw, we're drawing on the scenario well actually i've i've got the scenario because i've killed the chosen knights and the barbarians and he's going to kill the spin yeah. so he was like setting with all his units he was trying to set up a set up the Rymanites, because they're like in my corner, just being like surrounded by everything. He was trying to set this up so that I couldn't escape, and he would be able to get the Rymanites in the last turn, and then I would lose the objective. Or like, at least it would be a draw objective. Yeah. And then, I think the Dragon had taken a few wounds from Silver Spike, and it was actually down to one wound in my last turn. So I knew that I just needed to hide it behind a building and heal it by one wound to not lose any points. And the Phoenix was also in the same situation. So after it killed the Barbarians, I like ran full speed towards my Master of Cranary Tower just so I could heal it. And then my last magic phase, I had a really good magic phase. And I, I managed to uh, take the last wound off the Feldrak Elder to put it down to half points. And... Um, also heal the dragon a wound, also heal the phoenix a wound, and then my coup de gras was casting Raven's Wing on the Rymanites to teleport them over ah. the Feldrex and save the scenario. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. So, so it was It was like, a. for me, it was like a per, almost a perfect game. I won 16-4, yeah. four, four, and he was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, he, he couldn't <laughs> really understand, like, how he'd managed to lose the game, and I, I also... I also empathize with him because at the start of the game it looked really good for him and I just managed to like fully escape all of his nasty stuff.
0: Yeah. It sounds to me that the like the error he did on both sides of the board was the uh, to try to outflank an army that is actually faster or at least the same speed as his army
1: yeah so, so yeah. like
0: he's moving around the edge with the Feldrax and with uh uh with both uh, like well, the with elders, both the, yeah. like the Feldrax and the warriors and then he never really like you know as he's pincering you're fast enough to just go through to the other side of the, of the board
1: yeah exactly his sense his wasn't strong enough like if if he'd have put the units in different places let's say the chosen knights and the feldrax were opposite it would have been completely yeah. different for me i wouldn't have been able to do what it did and also if he'd have done the giants and the Feldrax in the opposite places, it would have had the same effect. Because he because he moved the Feldrax both the elders around the top corner and the Feldrax around the bottom corner, it really just allowed me to escape. Yeah, so he put the
0: strong elements of his army on the flanks instead of in the center.
1: Yeah. So for any budding warriors players out there, Hello. <laughs> Uh, putting the feldrax in the middle in general i think is a good decision if you're not sure where things are going to go at the start of the game
2: yeah but you still want to yeah. kind of protect them because they're they're big units for you right
1: yeah but I, I couldn't really harm them with that much my spells don't I do much I- against them because they have a good arm save they're res 5 my spells are strength 4 and i have to reroll wounds against them because of their fireborn rule mm. so it's actually like a really good matchup for those feldrax and I don't have that much shooting that can really damage them that much. So mm. it's pretty. It was a pretty interesting game, I think, because yeah. it was a bad matchup for me that I turned into a good matchup, both by like trying to starting to escape on turn two, and also bad deployment by my opponent. But it was. I know all about bad deployment. <laughs> but uh, I think. As well, the impassable trains helped me a little because it, it made me yeah. it made it me allowed to funnel him a bit into the into the center um, But it, it was quite funny because people were coming over and they were like why are you stood on this side of the table and your army's on the other side of the table I was like, <laughs> Well, this combination of Raven's wing and me running away for three turns
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just thought it was like an interesting battle to uh, to discuss.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely some uh, some stuff you can take away from there. I, I think one of those things is to to know when your opponent uh, can't deal with some of your units. And I, I know I'm guilty of making this this mistake as well, where sometimes you just have units that your opponent is not gonna be able to deal with, and then usually the best thing to do is just stick them up the middle and push them forward.
3: Yeah. But I agree.
0: like in your head, like in his head, I think he's thinking that yeah, you know, the Feldraks are really fast, so they should go around the flank because they could dominate the flank. But like what are they actually doing on the flank, it, like which they couldn't do in the center.
1: Yeah. I mean may- maybe he's afraid of the swordmasters to an extent.
0: Yeah. But uh, they're only I mean they're strength five. Yeah. I guess I guess it's still pretty scary. The Feldraks are what res six or Res
1: five. Well the big ones res are res, big ones are res six, but it's six. the big ones are not that much of an issue. It's more the small ones. Okay. The small ones are the hardest unit for high elves to deal with, in my opinion, and they're in a lot of lists at the moment as well, just because of the the fireborn or well, yeah. the the unburnt rule. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting uh, game to discuss.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's cool. It sounds like a it sounds like a really exciting matchup, right? Yeah.
1: Because, yeah. It was a yeah. It was a bad matchup that. I managed to, to swing because of the deployment. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really want to go into the other games to as so much detail. No, I think it's good. Uh, but I had I had five really good games against five really good opponents, and uh, it was a really fun tournament. We went out drinking yeah. both nights. Sterling is quite a good fun.
0: <laughs>
1: Fraz, Fraz any, got, any good stories? Yeah, Fraz from, got uh, Fraz got punched by a girl and got and fell over. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, I think I heard about this on the uh, uh, Fancy War Gaming podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we got really drunk actually both nights. Uh, one night, we ended up like eating, eating all like all the crisps in the vending machine because we were so, so hungry when we got home. And, like, we just sat at the hotel bar, and it was closed, but the vending machine was open. <laughs> nice. Um, Yeah, it it was really good fun, really good to see the guys again, and uh, I can't wait for for Six Nations in summer, assuming the coronavirus is gone. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully it is. Yeah, so I think that's uh, about everything. Do you have anything you want to talk about or add? Uh, No, no, I'm good. Alex? Um, Well, or any questions or beginner's insights or beginner's tips?
2: (laughs) Beginner's tips... Yeah, for all you pros out there, a uh, big tip for you. Um, well,
1: there'll be, there'll be people who are in the same position as you, or mm-hmm. maybe like a, a few steps behind you listening at some point. So yeah, as a beginner yourself, maybe you can help other beginners. I think, uh,
2: like I found myself in the very lucky situation of, um, like finding somebody who to introduce me to this, you know, that's you, uh, that. Is just really nicely knowledgeable, not just on the game side, but also on the hobby side, right? So I don't feel like uh, I'm totally, I'm totally alone on my um, like in my decision making when I'm trying to like research some things or or whatever. I, I, it gives me, I think, a bit more confidence in trying some stuff out because yeah. I can be like, hey, check this out. Um, I, th- I
1: think as well, like as a beginner. You you are a bit. You're not sure if you should try these things out. And when when you ask someone who's, who's a bit more of an expert, and you say, "How do I do this?" and I'm just like, "Well, try it." And you're like, "Oh, okay, I will try it." <laughs> yeah. Because it because it, I think you could be a little bit afraid of trying certain things if you're a new person. Yeah. Because you don't know if if it's like a valid way of
2: going. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the the thing with with especially right now is like every time that i sit down to paint the models like i don't have a lot of like test models and stuff like that right so i I want it to be right quote unquote right the first time you know and um or or at least i want to hit good enough Mm. every time i I try to do something so i feel like there's a bit of anxiety in getting started but um What I would say is to the beginners out there who maybe don't have a Henry. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Find find a Henry. No, I mean, (laughs) find a Henry, yeah, or do what what you guys have been recommending, um, which is, you know, like, start a blog on the forum that you can get people's insight on, right? Like, uh, I really enjoy looking at... I haven't started participating because I'm a total Reddit creeper, but, like, I really like looking at the Reddit minis um, subreddit. Because there's a lot of people of varying skill uh, degrees that are just sort of sharing info on there. I find it really cool, like people that are. Is beginners. this on the ninth edge forum? No, this is just at red, Reddit. I think it's just like our minis. Okay. Um, and it's just for painting and that kind of stuff. Um, like that, I find it really cool that you know there's people posting absolutely mind blowing paint jobs. And then other Some people, people are ridiculous, eh? yeah. And then other people that are just posting, like, hey, this is my first time ever doing a doing, painting a mini, like, you know, comments and criticism welcome. And, and people yeah. are just giving them advice and like linking to tutorials or like examples or all that kind of stuff. I think that the, what I've sort of observed is that there is a lot of people out there that enjoy the hobby and the game, and um, they're really open and willing to share so maybe yeah. like before you get into a tournament where there's like some, some like last time we were, play, we were we had the chat like the podcast yeah. uh you were talking about like some douchebags at, at tournaments right and um, and like there, there's always going to be people like that out there right and it's like don't be that guy but um but you know you're probably not going to find that guy on the forums giving you helpful advice right so you're going to find all of like the good people you know that are trying to make a community of it yeah for sure i
1: think i think everyone is really really uh, open to helping new people and i think a lot of people pr- like appreciate that this hobby is not growing uh, as fast as other things and it's really important yeah. to get help the new guys out when we can so i think uh, in general most people are really happy to to help and to give advice And so if you're a new person looking to get into the hobby then don't be afraid to ask for advice because most people are willing to give it,
2: yeah, and in a in a constructive way, I think, yeah. so, as well as the way well it seems to me. So, so that's what I would say. And then the other thing is, um, you know, you you can't uh, like it. It it could be really daunting or overwhelming to um, have to buy and paint every sort of makeup that you could imagine for an army. So. You know being able to match up with people who you can just say like okay so let's just say that, that this guy, these guys are this for this game right so that I can try it or out or whatever I think that's yeah that's a really, a really nice way uh, like non tournament you know sort of getting to know the game
1: yeah I think mo- most people are happy to um, to allow you proxies I think even at, even at some tournaments yeah uh, there's a lot of uh, tournaments that do like new players um comp where you where it's like okay you, you don't need your you don't need to have your army painted you don't need to have uh, your army based you do not need to be what you see is what you get and so long as you write for them beforehand and explain to them or just even even if they're not doing it you can just say hey i'm a new player is it okay if i come to the tournament and just bring my unpainted models i just really want to play and get into the hobby and uh, i just don't have a full army i think most uh most tournament or- organisers will, of course, say yes. I think the the challenge is, is when you're not a new player and you bring shit. I think that's where it becomes a, a problem. But yeah. so, as long as you're actually a new player, I don't think it's a problem at all. Yeah, that's cool. I think actually this is an interesting topic that was talked about quite a lot uh, a couple of weekends ago at, in Scotland. Um, in my opinion, the, the painting level in, in the UK is a lot less than it is here in Denmark. Um, I don't know how you feel, Casimir, because I know you've been to a few UK tournaments. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think Denmark has
0: really progressed a lot like the last year or two, uh, compared to before. But uh, I, haven't, I don't have the same kind of input in the UK, but I feel like more people don't care in the UK, I guess
1: yeah I, I don't know what the reason is but uh, it was definitely it was definitely lower quality than what I've seen in Denmark and I know there's a lot of talk in the UK about trying to improve this um, just just so Alex is like clued in obviously there's, there's usually minimum painting requirements for tournaments right whether I mean whether that's three colours or a base or just at least sprayed there's usually some kind of minimum standard that you need to have okay and um a lot of the time this is written into the rules of the tournament but it's not necessarily enforced and it's quite (laughs) it's quite difficult to enforce it because you what what do you do when someone brings an unpainted army to a tournament you say oh sorry you can't play
2: yeah yeah i mean it's a good question you've now you've hosted some tournaments yeah uh now right henry so what do you do so there's there's a few ways of i think policing this
1: like some of the tournaments i've done i've said there's no painting requirements bring whatever you want and some tournaments i've done have said have been really strict painting requirements and what we well like when we've ha- when we've actually had painting requirements we've said okay these are the painting requirements if your army is painted you get five tournament points so that's like the equivalent of like five five points from a game okay so if you win 20 nil uh, you you would get 20 tournament points and then at the end of the tournament you'd get an increase in five tournament points if your army is fully painted and then if your army is like exceptionally painted then you get 10 points if it's like really really nice you get 15 points and if it's like nominated for best painted it gets 20 points so this is obviously like really trying to incentivize people to to really bring nice armies or paint really well um but then also you can argue like okay well i want to bring a nice army but i'm just not a very good painter or i don't have the time or so you don't really want to you don't really want to uh exclude people from both ends of the spectrum right
2: yeah yeah exactly i mean it would be rough i mean i think there's a lot of people that adore wargaming gaming that maybe like don't have the greatest sort of like artistic um, skills, right? Skills or yeah, intuition. You know, they're just not, or they they just aren't into it, right? Like they really dig the math and the yeah. So so
1: one other way that we've done it in the past is we've said, well, okay, the rules are you need to bring a fully painted army. If you don't bring a fully painted army, then the your opponent is going to get to choose which table side you start on. And also choose who goes first, or you could do plus one or you could choose, you could do one or the other, like choose the table side and then you roll. So you see who goes first, however, so you can actually give some kind of like small benefit in the game, which isn't like a benefit. That's going to make you lose every game, but it's something that at least makes you consider getting it done, getting it done. Yeah, so they like
0: consider not bringing the broken thing that you don't have painted.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Right. And I, yeah. but I would guess this is, this is very much for people who are already in, into the hobby, right? Like yep. this is for people who have a few armies who just got a new one. and want to bring the best thing who haven't, who haven't painted it yet, but they've just bought it and glued it all to the bases yeah. and they're ready to, they're ready to test it out. Right. They've, they've done all their research. They know what their build yeah. is in it and they want to get into it as soon as possible. Yeah. agreed. What about I think maybe you told me that sometimes people are allowed to play but they just don't score any points in the tournament. So they play every match but they don't score. Is that Yeah that's
1: that's uh, in some tournament packs as well. Like you get um, like if you if you bring no if you bring unpainted models you just get a zero by the end of the tournament. So you can't win any prizes
2: basically. But let's say so everyone you play against, let's say you beat everyone you play against, right? Yeah. They all only accumulate the points that they accumulate. Yeah, right. Okay.
1: So well, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Didn't, doesn't give anyone else a positive, but it just help gives them, yeah. gives you a negative. Okay. So I mean, yeah. we, we the last tournament that we ran, um, we did. We wanted it to be a hobby tournament, so we said I think there was between zero and twenty points for painting, and um, and and so. At the end of the tournament, I gave everyone a a score based on. The painting. Everyone got like a soft score based on the sportsmanship and mm-hmm. also a quiz as well. So Ooh, a quiz. Actually the winner of the tournament was not the person who had the most points from the games. The winner of the tournament was actually someone else. And the the person who got the most points from the games actually came second because he dropped some points in the painting. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So it does it does have an effect.
0: Yeah, but I, I think that's fine to me, but I, I guess it's a very personal thing. But to me I, I feel like this uh, like a tournament is kind of the place you go to showcase the complete hobby. It's you know, it's how well you build your list, how well you play, but I would also say that it has to do with you know, how well you paint and all this kind of stuff, because that's part of it. Like if we if we were having a purely competitive thing, I like I d I wouldn't say like why are we painting toy soldiers to push around the board? I mean if it's only about like your skill in playing, that stuff like computer games or card games, it's much more
2: relevant. You know, right?
0: logical for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like that's my personal opinion. Side, so I I don't think it's a big issue that this kind of stuff happens, where a uh, paint score or a soft score. Like you know, you're you're a really cool person to play with, for example. Like that, that's fine. That that affects uh, the score like like a little bit.
2: Yeah, I like it. I think it's a I I think it's actually quite neat that. Um, <sighs> that you can kind of, uh, you know, incorporate all of these elements together and to like into the whole tournament because it, it's going to draw more people in, right? Because of, their, because of the different parts of the appeal of the hobby.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also important to have have a range of tournaments doing different things. Like I think there, yeah. should, there should be some tournaments that say, okay, there's no painting requirements, there's no sports cores, there's, no, there's nothing, there's not a quiz, there's nothing. Extra, yeah. it's just games. And I think that there's a space for that, and I think there needs to be a space for that, for those people who just want that in the hobby. But I also think there needs to be some tournaments to celebrate the other aspects as well. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think that to, from my perspective, what seems to happen a lot is that to run a tournament which is purely based on games and no other scores is, is like a little bit easier to do because there's no extra you know, upkeep for you as a TO, so a lot of people, like, kind of default to that. Uh, but, but like, there's... So, like, for, for a while, I felt like there was a, not that many tournaments that kind of put uh, hobby focus, but now when the, the level of people's
1: armies are, are rising, like, there's more of a motivation to actually do it. Yeah, for sure. At least in Denmark,
2: the level is increasing, right?
4: Yeah.
2: It's also a lot nicer, right? Like, if you're, if you're in the room and... You know, like you're saying, Casimir. Like, if it's all just about the points, then like, why doesn't everybody just show up with fucking plastic models, like pieces of paper and squares? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we
0: have two-day terrain two-day armies.
2: (laughs) I mean, when you're not when you're not in a match, right? Like, part of the fun is going and checking other people's stuff out, right? Like looking at. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I think so at least. Yeah. I'm I'm sure other people don't show that.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, sure. I mean. But you're saying it's per- it's a personal, it's a personal thing. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of the, of the complete hobby, then a tournament is an opportunity for people who prioritize all the different parts to really get together and celebrate it.
1: Yeah, and I also think in, in the same vein that like sports is really important in all in all tournaments because there shouldn't really be anyone just being a dick. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You should always have a,
2: a sports prize. I think that's really important. Oh, for just like for being a fun, being fun to play against.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like normally, normally what happens is um, in most tournaments there'll be like uh, you get to vote for your your favorite game or your top two favorite games. Okay. And then those people get put into a pool, and the person with the most votes gets the sports prize. So it, you usually you're playing five games at a tournament. So the maximum you can get is five five votes and normally when i run a tournament i incorporate those votes into tournament points nice so the max that you can get is five extra points but a lot of people they don't add the points up but there's always an award for sports yeah,
2: yeah. yeah it seems nice too yeah and I, I think that's really important yeah i like that i mean yeah, like if you give people the incentive then even the guys or or, or the, the players that are maybe more, in, like more aggressively interested in winning, like will like check themselves a little bit yeah. because they'll be like, oh, it's worth. Uh,
1: I could, I could maybe win a sports prize or
2: like, or at least get some points here. Right. Or like yeah. if they're really in it to, to win the whole tournament, they know that there's a good chance they won't win it. If they're being a dick.
1: Yeah. I actually yeah. won a giant fanatic, which is the was the biggest tournament in Scandinavia. I won it one year, and I only won it because I'd got more sports votes than the guy that was ahead of me. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think like
0: some people. I know some people talk about that sports is uh, it's like a personality thing where some people are just you know say that I'm just not gonna win sports because like uh, like I'm not as like chatty or whatever as other people. But I-, I do definitely think that there's a way to play the game which will increase your likelihood of getting uh, getting sports votes.
1: Yeah, but like
0: it's just how you approach situations, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean personally, like I like to think I play reasonably fair, and Hmm. uh, but I I don't think I have like that that personality. Sorry, I've got something in my mouth. Um, I feel like (laughs) when when I play, I'm actually quite quiet because I'm like considering a a lot of my options as I play. Yeah. And uh, it's only really when I roll dice is when I start to shout and scream.
0: Yeah, sure, but, but I do, I think it's, uh, it's stuff like, uh, for example, if you're either, like, say you're winning or you're losing, like, how do you handle that situation? Like, if for example, your dice is being really terrible, like, there's one type of personality where, you know, you start to hit the table and you complain and, like, you know, maybe you're not uh, being, you know, like, unfair or not nice to your opponent, but you're kind of being just angry. Yeah. and you're letting that like that anger spill over and so like you know it's just like that's like a really uncomfortable, uncomfortable situation yeah. right it's to stand across from somebody who gets really angry and you know it's just the dice that rolled like you know you can't really do anything about it yeah and, exactly. uh, and that for example if you can handle those situations with like grace or you know, take it in stride and stuff then uh, i think that makes you much more likely to get sports votes
1: yeah like for, for example here like the opponent that I was talking about, uh, James McCormack, who I played in my last game in Sterling with the Warriors, like he was, he was not, he was obviously like doing his best, and it wasn't really about the dice. It was just he'd made some mistakes in deployment, but he took it really well. That he probably wasn't going to win the game, and uh, I, and obviously I just want to tip my hat off to him because he he took it really well. That I like I Ravens wing my Rhymer Knights over his head on the last turn and he was just like fuck but he didn't he didn't take it he wasn't like salty about it or in, in any way yeah yeah exactly and I, I think it's those kind of
0: things that make you uh that, that that's the difference between uh, you know getting sports
1: votes and, and not Yeah, i mean i i voted for him as my best boss yeah just purely purely because of that because he he didn't he didn't complain at all he was just like oh man like fuck I mean he, he was like he was saying it like what how how can how is this happening kind of thing but he wasn't <laughs> like he wasn't really too annoyed about it
0: yeah and like conversely I think that it's the same kind of thing when you're winning as well like you can definitely win in a bad way and in a good way like yeah uh, you know you can uh, like, of course, if you're if somebody's really sour because they're losing, it's not going to matter that much on, on what you do. But it's definitely a way in, like you know, what you say and how you act when everything's going your way, uh, like to make it feel better or worse for the opponent you're playing against.
1: Yeah, exactly. When I, when I, my girlfriend and I we're playing Catan at the moment, I have like a series mm. going, and I've won every game so far, and I rub it in the face every time I win. <laughs> <laughs> But that's uh, that's just because of the relationship that we have. But you're not gonna get a sports award for that anyway. No, <laughs> she's not listening. Hopefully, but yeah, I think that's uh, about it for today. Yep. So thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, blah blah blah. blah. Send yeah. us an email, usual place. No one sends us emails anyway, so no worries. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, thanks again for coming on Alex. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me. It's always guys.
1: interesting to hear how you're getting on.
2: And I uh, I, I, really appreciate you, your guys' like, uh, you know, insight when I'm, when I'm kind of bringing my stuff forward. You know, you have really nice suggestions and stuff for me. So cool. it's good. It helps give me direction and motivates me. So thank you too.
1: Oh, no worries. Yeah. So see you on the next awesome. one. Yeah, see you. Hey, welcome back to Amazon Podcast, episode 51. Um, with it being the lockdown and the corona, we should call this cr- the corona cast. <laughs> I like I've, that. I've got okay, uh, two special guests with me to share in our quarantine. I have uh, Matt Paris from the Fancy Wargaming Podcast. Hi, Matt.
5: Hey, guys. How you doing? Um, happy uh, confinement. <laughs>
1: And I've got uh, Andrew Lind from the Mad Git Radio.
5: Hello, hello. Hope everyone's safe and uh, enjoying isolation.
1: <laughs>
5: yeah, this is actually a wonderful opportunity. Thanks for having me on, Henry. I'd just like to, to note that, that, that I have now completed the, the holy triumvirate of podcasts. So I've been <laughs> on Fancy Gaming World podcast, uh, Podcasts, I've been on Mad Git Radio, and now here I am on Hammer Time. I think that's, that might be a first.
1: You fucking slut. Podcast slut. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a podcast whore. <laughs> I did see that the yeah. Thundercocks have posted a new episode today. So now you've got one more oh. to go on.
6: Yeah, as everyone comes out of isolation,
1: you
6: know? <laughs> so I'm gonna have to befriend them now as well, am
1: I? Yeah, unfortunately.
5: Yeah, but with all this spare time, it's an uh, it's no wind that blows no good, as they say, isn't it? And um, we've all got plenty of time now, for. So uh we were just we were just gonna start I was well I was gonna say to you guys, right, I've got sixty Cavalry models that need to be painted from the Raging Heroes range, which Henry you showcasted in the uh in the uh yeah, I know. My wife hasn't seen (laughs) it Yeah, I
1: know Which which ones do you have Matt? Is it the elf ones?
5: Yeah, yeah, it's the um, it's their version of the sort of the dread elves. Uh, I think they call them lust elves, and they're well made. Um, yeah, so uh, after you, cho- you, you, you showcased those, I, I, I bought a bunch in for the uh, all mount all mounted warriors army that I'm going to be doing. So, ah, cool. Um, so I've got the, got them all assembled, and I fancy having go with these contrast paints because I've heard good things. Well, actually I've heard mixed things. Um, but um the first question is uh what do I under, what do I spray them with do I spray them Wraithbone, bone which would be deviation from my normal stuff or do I just spray them spray,
1: spray black like I've uh, like I've always done oh, so do I've a, I've actually been experimenting a little bit with contrast paints and sprays and washes oh, so yeah. I obviously uh, I heard a lot about the contrast paints from from various places Uh, There's a guy on the forum called Baranovich. I don't know if you've come across him on the user blogs. Ah, yes. uh, Yeah, yeah.
6: He's done more to kill terrain and stuff, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, exactly. And he's written a lot about the contrast paints and he also did an article in the Ninth Scroll about it. And so it was him that Uh, kind of inspired me to try them out. And um, so I tried them out with my ghouls for my vampire covenant. Cool. So what I did was I, I sprayed them with the wraith bone. Like the one that they recommend to use. Yeah. And then I did a like a it's a black one, it's called Basilicanum Grey. Okay. And it it, it turned out really really nice with the skin tone. So I I just uh, used it for the flesh tone only. And uh it worked out for like a really kind of like grey skin, like kind of rotting skin kind of color.
5: Cool. Did, yeah. you, uh, did you have to use the medium to water
1: it down a bit or did you use mm, go... I, I don't faff around with that kind of stuff, so I just chucked it on. Okay. Pretty it's like, come out re- nice. reasonably thick, yeah, and it's come out really nice. If you want to have a look, you can have a look in my uh, user blog on the forum. There you go, plug, plug, plug. Yeah, <laughs> it's called uh, the Von Kahn Steins or something like that. Yeah, I've seen
5: that on your, on your footer. Yeah, no, that looks really cool.
1: So, and it was really fast as well. I think I smashed the skin out in about half an hour for 30 goals. Really?
4: Wow. What the hell? Okay. Yeah, that
1: is booming. So it was, I would definitely recommend trying it. And I've also been experimenting, not with contrast paints, but with, like, the washers. With my beast heads. So I wanted to, the idea with the beast heads was I wanted to play it because I think it's fun. It's not like, yeah. a, I don't really want it to be like a super hobby project. It's just... I want it to look reasonable, but I wanted to paint it quite quickly, so I can actually play with it. And uh, and so what I did is I bought a yellow spray, or like a sand-coloured spray. So it's kind of like, um, I, I don't know what kind of colour call it, like a brownie-yellow, somewhere in the middle of the two. But it's like re- kind of like re- khaki. Yeah, khaki, but it's reasonably light. And then what I've been doing is I've been like putting this spray on all my b And then doing like a wash on top of the spray for the skin, because obviously the skin is quite a large part of the model. So just doing a wash and then doing one or two highlights, depending on like how much effort I want to put in. Yeah. And it's coming out really, really well. Nice. hmm? And it's really fast as well. I I suspect things
5: like beast herds and ghouls and you know lizards and stuff like that must uh, probably lend themselves more easily to. Yeah, to totally. contrast
1: paints than, than perhaps sort of you know Brett. or I so said check me out hey, <laughs> sorry <I'm laughs> Matt, you, can't, you can't <laughs> come on the podcast and make mistakes like that
6: <laughs> but, uh, I know that Michael in our group he's been using the contrast paints quite heavily to do his empire and he's basically been doing kind of like what you've been doing like knocking out the base colours really quick so he primes white contrasts the base colours and then does his highlights and that's basically him and they look really nice.
1: Yeah, so, I think I think you can uh, do that, that with almost anything. Yeah. Like, it's definitely better to use them on skin or, like, leather or something like that. Yeah. Especially, like, yeah. the kind of the thin leather strips that you get on a lot of Games Workshop models. Yeah. Because they're, like, a pain in the ass to highlight, like, all the individual little bits. Yeah, I've, sure. heard the, I've heard the leather effect is, is a really
5: good one. Uh, I've played around with the, the the flesh one, and that's pretty good because there's a lot of flesh in these painting on those. Things, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and also the blue is pretty good. I think the blues.
1: Going doing all that The like capes blue, and that's working quite well. So cool. yeah, I mean, initial thing, uh, take on it, I think is pretty good. Pretty good bit of kit, really. Yeah, definitely, and you could probably do Equitain with them as well, especially if you spray white and then go for the colours on top. It depends what kind of thing you. Trying to do yeah.
5: right. When you were spraying that onto the Wraithbone, did you find that went on very very easily, or is it just because these 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 Raging Hero models are uh, are this new type of resin and they're a little bit oily, uh, and I, ca- I can't get that spray to go on easily, you know. I mean, yeah. it got there
1: and, I it? I did find that the Wraithbone didn't really go to, on the models very well, and I had to actually do two coats or two or three coats almost.
5: Yeah. Okay. And that's yeah. That's about me.
1: Mm. with the ghouls at least it was like a few coats and i i kind of realized i was like ah this didn't go on so well um yeah especially compared to like i think i have army painter sprays as well yeah. yeah something like that and and they they seem to go on a bit better or at least they only need one or two coats whereas the the wraith definitely needed an extra one
6: mm. Mm. yeah I mean, you could use any white primer, right? It
1: doesn't have to be the Wraithbone. No, I, 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 I would recommend using a different one, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Because I've also, I've also obviously, like, when you, you make a few mistakes when you're, uh, when you're painting your models, and then you have to go over it. So I've just been going over, like, the mistakes I made with just a Games Workshop white paint. I think it's called White Scar. Yeah. And then doing the the contrast paint again over it, and it doesn't really make any difference. So I I just yeah. I would say that, that you don't need to use a rave bone. Mm.
5: Does, I mean, does, has anybody tried the contrast paints over black uh, undercoating yet? Does it does it work as well? or does it just just kill the effect?
1: Um, yeah. I haven't tried it, but I would imagine that it doesn't really work as well because it's it's yeah. about it's about having like the. Like the heavy pigment for kind of falls into the cracks of the yep. model. Yeah. And and if it if it's a black undercoat, then I think it's it's gonna not really do that.
5: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it. It, it just yeah, it's, it's probably just not designed to work like that, is it? Yeah.
1: I think you need you definitely <laughs> I mean, need like a light dip. color undercoat. Because
5: of course I go I go back far enough. Do you remember when Army Painted Dip came out? Does
1: anyone remember that? <laughs> oh yes. Showing your age. Um, <laughs>
5: Dipping it wow I used to love dipping stuff it was like instant it was like instant um just painting glory it was it
6: was yeah. a marvelous thing
1: I've never I've never dipped the, anything actually
6: the, the, uh, the contrasts are kind of like the next step in that kind of progression right because yeah. I mean you can for the dip or the um, soft and was it it's not a hard tone heavy tone or whatever the army painter do um, you can do, like, your base colours, just slap them on in a mat and then dip them or give them a wash in that. Whereas the, the contrast paint's kind of cutting that out where you just prime white and then you're slapping that uh, the contrast paint straight on it. Yeah. So I think it's cool, though. And, like, we, we spoke about this um, the other weekend when we were at Sterling, um, how really now there's, not, there's less of an excuse for people not to have made an effort.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you can literally just contrast like, yeah. it in ten minutes.
6: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's an excuse. But there was some. There was um,
5: uh, an interesting point you made on one of the chats, Henry, where you were talking about uh the newbie category for sort of you know a little bit of uh, you know leeway given to to new players. But after that, essentially, you know, get your act together and get a painted army on the table because it's no one wants to see grey on the on the table, you know. But we, we want new people coming in, and I do I do understand that it's a challenge to get an army painted, especially if you're new to it. But uh, I I thought that was a really good idea. Is that is that is that commonplace in Denmark? Yeah, maybe
1: we should just there? give some context to the discussion. So yeah. so an- Andrew and uh, and Fraz were asking me like, what what do you do in Denmark to kind of incentivize people to paint for tournaments? Because obviously, what we saw at Scottish Championships, there was a uh, one or two guys who brought grey armies or. Pretty badly painted stuff. Yeah. I, and I, I, was kind of saying, well, in general, I would say that the the painting standard in Denmark is a little bit higher than it is in the U K. Um, uh-huh. So it was the discussion was okay. How do we actually get people to paint an army? And and one thing that we that we said as Matt alluded to is that well, for new players, it's quite difficult to to paint a like a full 4500 point army and you don't want to exclude new players to the tournament because it's it's really important to actually get them in the door and playing games. Yeah. So one thing that has been done in the past in Denmark is say that there's no painting restrictions for new players and in fact there's also awards for new players. So if, if it's your first tournament or or your maybe your second or third tournament, um you can apply to be categorized as a new player. And then there's like a, a whole like first, second, third place for new players, and also also a painting category for best best new player. I like that a lot. I think, I think I'm gonna steal that.
5: Yeah, really good idea. Maybe that could be a category for shit players as well. <laughs> <laughs> you and me, Matt, duking it out. Of that <laughs> I know I'd lose that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but can get the shit players. <laughs> uh,
1: but the, there was also other ideas like um, give people um, a plus one to, or uh, just automatically choose which side you, you go for. When you play the game, or let them let the person with the painted army decide who goes first. Yeah. So it's not like a hard cap in the actual game. It's just like a small advantage that, in some cases, will have a big effect on the game. And and those guys who let's say, uh, good players or players that have played games before, probably don't want to give away that kind of a tactical advantage. So that might incentivize yeah. them to bring fully painted armies rather than giving them like a a hit on tournament points so they can't actually compete in the tournament proper
5: yeah yeah because yeah, I mean a lot of people threaten you know hits on points don't they but you don't often see it being
1: followed yeah. through mm. did you did you do anything in Scotland I, I didn't notice anything happen like uh, hits on hits on points for armies or anything like that so there was a
6: list made up um because Fraz said that there was a list made up for pen, painting penalties, but I think by the time, like, because we were kind of wrapping up on on the Sunday, I think Ed just read out the the kind of like raw score. Um, so I don't think he'd applied the penalties at that point. Okay. Uh, I, and I'm not sure if they've been applied since then. So it was. That's not really Ed's fault, though. It's kind of just like you kind of get caught up, especially because he was running it by himself because Fraz was playing.
1: Yeah, and that, that's really kind of for- usually how how it happens, right? As well. Yeah. there's nothing. Yeah, nothing totally. ever. Nothing ever. Kind of comes of it, and and it, and it yeah, is also exactly. harsh to to kind of have to penalize people. But if if in a game, if you come to a table and some and the other one's like, well, you you haven't got a fully painted army, have you? And you're like, well, no, it's right. And then you're like, well, I guess I get to choose the sides and the uh, and who goes first. And it's like, okay, it's it's a bit more. It's kind of like a self policing method.
5: Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, no, nobody wants to have to, you know, be the hardcore police on this. It's, uh, you know, I mean, you know it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Uh, and, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's a hobby, and we don't want people rowing at tables and stuff like that. So some sort of self-policing method would be highly beneficial for all concerned, I would have thought. That's a good idea, I like that.
6: Yeah, I think I think that's great, and I'm going to definitely look to do that at our events in the future. Um, but it's just hard, isn't it, because you don't want to... There's people who play the game who will pay it to a minimum to see them over that line, like they don't really they don't really mind how their army looks. They just there to play the game. Uh, and then there's also a smaller, like a very small minority within the community that will try and take the piss and they'll try and you know,
3: yeah, which actually
6: across, across the UK I think is very rare, but these people do exist. So it's kind of like that balance of not excluding people but also making it hard for people that
1: will try and take the best. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. The, last, the last tournament that I run, the one that uh, Tony and Paul came over for, another thing that we did to try and induce people to paint a bit more was to do a best painted in each race, rather than a best in race. Okay. So we had quite a good tournament support for the tournament, so it was possible to do it. Um, but instead of having a best in race by tournament points, we had best in race based on the painting and then we just judged each army individually. Okay. So, so then that's there was... Pretty cool as
6: well. That's kind of like a hobby-heavy
1: kind of... Yeah, and then, so that's, that means that people like... Actually, like, if there's only two or three people in who are bringing, say, Silver Elves, that means I've got a like, pretty good chance of winning Best Painted if I put a bit of effort into my army. Yeah. And I know that some people kind of realised that and actually painted up their army a bit beforehand to try and win. So that... That okay. worked. That worked to an extent, but then there were I guess also. that's all about
6: critical mass as well, right? You've got to get a certain amount of players in playing to make that worth it, or else you're going to have, you know, some of the armies with only one player, and then it comes about.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, yeah, in some ways it worked, and in some ways it didn't work because there was obviously some armies that were a bit shit, and they were the only one who were competing. Yeah. <laughs> well done and best painted I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, that's the same way as with with normal best in race, anyway, right?
6: Totally, totally.
5: Yeah, I guess so. Guys, just give me a second. I'm just gonna go move some stuff around on this bonfire. I'll be back in like one minute.
1: Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> a little bit of context. Matt's burning shit. <laughs> it's getting ready for the apocalypse, or it's already started yeah. <laughs> in, in Manchester. <laughs>
6: so what else is on the uh, the hobby to do list while quarantine is in effect?
1: Oh god. Well, I've got. I'm painting a beast herds army and a and finishing off all my other various units that you've kind of got in the cupboard right yeah so i'm right now i'm i'm currently sat painting some chariots for my b-serts yeah. i think i actually went into this on the the previous part so i'm not gonna i'm okay, not gonna, I'm not, go. gonna uh, I'm not gonna share it with you unfortunately Andrew. <laughs> Um, oh, that's cool. But uh, I also finished uh, forty ghouls. No, not forty ghouls. Forty barrow guards. I've I finished building them, and they're oh, for foes, but yeah, they're cool. They're made oh, out. Right they're, they're made out of the new uh, five. is it? Five Forge Forgotten World models. Yeah, so they've got like the undead and the humans. Yeah, exactly. So I use the yeah. like the undead ones, which are, like swordsmen. Yeah. And I'm gonna paint them as barrow guards. Nice. I've done one, one there, really cool like unit filler where there's like an empire guy that's getting his head cut off and the blood is like squirting out.
5: <laughs> that sounds cool. What's that? What,
1: what what range is that? I'll just go look it up. Uh, Fireforge, Forgotten Worlds, Undead. Okay, I'll let that. Yeah, they're they're really 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 nice, and uh, the quality is amazing. I'd say, I'd say actually these are better than Games Workshop because. I, I like Games Workshop models in general, but they they have a lot of like unnecessary detail on them. Yeah, like these little like stringy things or like image like icons and stuff, and they you just don't need it in my opinion. It doesn't add anything to the model, and the, the that makes these Fireforge ones like super easy to paint and actually like a bit more kind of simple. They look really nice, actually. These, yeah, they look really cool.
6: How do they cope with? Uh, sorry, not cope. Like, how do they scale with? Um, like the GW stuff. Are they about the same size? Or they're the
1: exactly the same size as GW ones. Okay. Okay. Cool. Like, as as yeah, I said, right I've got their, right on
5: their landing page. They've got this uh, size comparison thing with the greatsword. Uh, okay. The IG, GW, yeah, GW ones, and they're um, they they're bang on. Yeah,
1: they're bang on. Yeah, I think they're intended because I know that the historicals are twenty five mil, or they're a little bit smaller than the G W ones. But these new ones, the five, the uh, Forgotten World ones, are exactly twenty eight mil, same as G W. Nice. Uh, as I said, we've got like an Empire guy getting his head cut off, and he looks exactly the same size as the as the Barrow guard that's doing the job. <laughs>
5: reasonably priced as well. I'm just looking at them. It looks like you get twelve for twenty euros.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah, I I, I got them in the Kickstarter, so I'm not sure about the actual prices.
5: Okay.
1: But I'd say that they they're probably well worth it.
6: I do think it's brave of you, Henry, to admit that you got a small penis by playing Baragarda.
1: <laughs> I haven't played them in a tournament. yet just FY. <laughs>
5: <laughs> all got, yeah we've all, we all got one on uh, my big death star of IG and stuff <laughs> and it says says around with a huge pile of go- with girls poisoning on fives
6: as well uh, they're, they're core though I get away with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: how about you guys what are you working on
6: God, uh, kinda, you. yeah I've just been doing like, bits and pieces Like I bought um, some ghasts so i painted nine gas and that was like the first two days of isolation <laughs> <laughs> and then i got the uh the gw gill lord the arch regent so i'm going to use him as uh bestial bulk stragoi i really like that model, actually. <laughs> yeah oh see between him and the gas I, I never really liked the gas sculpts that much but they were awesome at paint um so they're all painted and ready now did some unit fillers um and then the bulk of the hobby time over the last couple of days has been we are Paul and I are writing our campaign. Oh, so cool. we've we've made a map and we've got a draft of rules and we're just testing it just now. Um, and it seems to be looking okay. We've based it off the Border Princes uh, campaign set. So this is a, a fan-made set which is on the, you can Google it and get it on the internet. But it's pretty straightforward map-based system and it's really just to provide a bit of overarching narrative and context for games so there's not it's not as in-depth something like um uh whatever the something empires was mighty empires mighty, mighty empires that's what it was so it's not as intense as that um but it still gives you the kind of sense of a map base camp campaign. cool so uh so last w- w-
1: will be you be playing your shriegler list. list uh
6: 100 i'll
1: be playing a list <laughs>
6: because it's also fluffy, right?
1: <laughs> so are, are, you writing, awesome. are you writing fluff for it as well?
6: Uh, we've done a wee bit, so um, I don't know if anyone um, has seen, but for when Paul and I run uh, Siege of Stripling, which is our team event at the end of the year, um, we've got a little bit of fluff there, and Stripling is the, the ancient name for a star, so we kind of made up this idea, design, the Northern Kingdoms, just lines like the capital of it, but it's constantly getting gangbanged by opposing forces, which is actually a lot like Sterling in real life. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we've got we've got a little bit a little bit of backstory there. So we've kind of linked it into that to broaden it out a wee bit. So, but again, we wanted to write something that was that gave people a little context, a little bit of context, but it didn't prescribe it to them, so they can kind of make what they want out of it.
1: And is oh, it cool. is that is that reflecting the way that you write lists or the re- way that you play the game or anything like that? Um. So we hit, so
6: I just threw in a straggle list, and then Paul went away and yeah. uh, Paul came up with really detailed fluff, and he came back with this like really fluffy thematic list, and I felt guilty for about two seconds, and then I just pressed the head. So. <laughs> um. So yeah. I think you can take it. You can take it as you know, as narrative as you want. And again, that's why we went for the Border Prince's set out because it is so open-ended. So uh, stay tuned for that. If it does all work, and um, we'll probably fire it up in the form and people can have a go themselves if they fancy. See, This is the glorious thing about, about quarantine. You get all all the time to do all these things that you've been putting off for ages.
1: <laughs> how how do you guys feel about uh, meeting up for like face-to-face games in these times?
5: they've closed element games, uh, obviously in the Northwest, which is the big sort of gaming center round by us. Um, personally, I don't think I would. Uh, I mean, I'm playing a lot of UB and UB works for me. Uh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm going to be okay with UB and, 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 probably not take the risk. Um, I mean, I've got, you know, I've got a, I've got a daughter who's, who's got complex medical needs, so I can't really take the risk with anything like that, but it's, uh, I think probably anyway, I'd probably be tempted to just stick on UB, which uh, I think you get a good game out of it, to be honest.
6: Yeah, I agree. I think it's just it's not worth it, and especially because uh, there's so many people that have got these underlying health conditions. Just just stay safe, play on UB. Um, yeah. Unless you're stuck with your flatmate, and like you yeah. both. <laughs> <laughs> unless your
1: wife takes up anything. Right imagine that I've been playing I've been playing yeah. Catan like one-on-one Catan with my girlfriend because it's about the only thing that we can agree to play together and I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm currently 5-0 up in the series <laughs> are you going to let him
6: win
1: one? probably not it <laughs> uh, so the I'm, hard way I've actually
6: been self-isolating from Jordan <laughs> so I've been in isolation for this is, this is day six so all that I'll be but she's coming around tomorrow because that'll be seven days so then we'll need to get those, so the board games out
5: so you haven't seen her for seven days and the first thing you're going to do is play board games <laughs> yeah I mean this is day f- fair enough we've <laughs> got to haven't you yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: You mentioned the. Um, you mentioned that you were building um, a bestial bolt vampire. Yeah. yeah. Um, is is that part of a list or?
6: Yeah. So I've written. So for for people that don't know, <laughs> um, TSC was was not a success for Andrew Lind of Madge Radio. <laughs> the. The 2 didn't really operate well. At all. <laughs> And the result showed I actually should have probably lost all five of my games um the one game I did win was just down to dice it wasn't due to any skill or whatsoever um so I've gone back to Strago because Strigoi is the best and um yeah I've gone back to I just like fucking necromancer just a pain in the dick like I hate having wizards that are so vulnerable so I've just taken all vampires. and person <laughs> so go got um one count with the Ghoul Lord upgrades all standard and then the B steel guys, the BSB, and then I've got my flying guy who just flies around with the big weapon shield breaker, scaring the shit out of cavalry. That list is so much more you dude. I, it's, uh, it's 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 a great list that it's our got sixties first one? Copyrighting Andrew Lind, isn't it, at the bottom <laughs> trademark everything. Yeah. Yes it's <laughs> It's very much the kind of list I like playing. Um, but the Vampire Spawn have been a bit hit and miss so far. They're just fucking mental. Like, 16-inch oh, yeah. um, frenzy bait. Yeah.
5: When we played on UB, those Spawn were... Yeah, I mean, they, they do go down if you got they, they get the light shooting into them, but they're just so rapid, aren't they? Uh, I mean, that, that yeah, one they just shoot across, board. Go across
6: yeah. the board. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that one Spawn basically turned that game yeah. Right, because he just got in and he held the unit mm. yeah no it's critical
5: yeah well uh, TSC <laughs> didn't go didn't go any better for me either so um, I mean I felt. I think we both felt going into that that our lists weren't good uh, I then compounded that by not playing well um, I doubled down on it by getting drunk and therefore being incapable of helping <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and,
5: and, and guess what I did badly <laughs> Yeah, a poor player with a bad list drunk uh, is not a good recipe for, uh, for tournament success. So uh, obviously And yeah, you still did better than me, so. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I submarined in the last game. I thought yeah, I had a bit of luck there. But yeah, uh, so I've gone back to the drawing board as well and binned out the mortars. Because the, um, the, the meta at that, at that tournament was just so monster heavy. That whilst I think mortars have got a future, yeah. uh, I don't think they've got a future in that matter. So, um, so yeah, it's cannons' time. Uh, get your cannons out. Get your rocket battery out. Uh, I'm still, I'm still keen on the, the little blocks of flaggies. They did real well. The IG do do what IG does. Um, I have changed it around a bit and brought some writers in there. A big block of machine guns. Uh, you know, and I, I think I'm much happier with the list than than, than, I, than I than I than I was when I when I got tabled by pretty much everyone in Stirling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, cause I, I mentioned the Best Your Bolt Vampire because I've just built one myself. And uh, it's, oh, nice. from, it's from a really cool company, a Spanish company. They, what they do is they're, they're only printing, like 3D printing models. They're not like designing okay. them themselves. So they get designs from all over the world and then he prints them and sells them. And it's, they're actually really cheap as well. Um, the, the, the company is, you, you need to go on Etsy, Etsy.com, I guess. And okay. the company is called Minis and Printers. And I okay. recently I bought the, bought from them a vampire like a with wings, a Valkalac, a, a Centaur Chief, and a Cyclops. And also a Minotaur with a whip. And I think it cost me, like everything cost me about 30 quid. For all four all five models, and if you want a discount, um, there's a discount code which is ninth age in capitals one word and that'll give you 15, nice. 15% off. And they're really, really nice models. The sculpt is so good, like, they're really good quality. That's so cool. what I'm what, what looking for minis and printers on Etsy.co.com, yep. okay. I guess.com, Etsy.com, minis and printers. Yep. It's like a, it's just a web shop, but they have about twelve pages of miniatures, a lot of um, Saurian ancient models, and a lot of Silver Elf models and a few vampires and it's, it's kind of random stuff, but it's really some of it's really good. Okay. What
6: I was gonna say, if you type into uh, the search bar on Etsy, it, like the first thing that comes up is toilet roll. <laughs> Seriously
5: though, no. what are people doing with it? I mean, you know. I, it's, it's ridiculous and now they're stockpiling milk i mean morons you know it, it doesn't last very long you
3: know
5: <laughs> i mean i can understand oh, i'm I t- I, I told you my funny story about goods by corona um so I, I went to the supermarket and obviously the place had just been absolutely just pulverized by the yeah. by the descending hordes uh, and obviously what i was doing there was stockpiling stockpiling lager and um they, they had they the, the the uh the hoi polloi had been at the booze quite heavily but, but there was absolutely rakes of of corona left over so i filled a uh, a trolley with, with 12 crates of it because they were giving them away three crates for a tenner i was like what,
6: what? <laughs> yeah. <It> was <laughs> what fucking hell jesus because
5: just they're, because they're simple you know <laughs> they're just simple and um uh, so I got to the, the checkout and the lady's like looking at me and I was like, yeah, I know, but it was going cheap and ha ha ha. So she puts three of it through and she goes to put the fourth one through and it goes declined because you can only buy three of anything, uh. including <laughs> <laughs> the and Corona. So it's like, OK, um, but you've got tons of it. And she was like, yeah, OK, fine. But. We'll put three of it through and then pay for it, and then we'll, we'll do it again. So I put three through, pay for it, and then she went to put the next three through. And the, but the machine was wise to me. <laughs> it like that. It's you again, isn't it? And declined the transaction. <laughs> so I outfoxed it by using different credit cards, because I've got hundreds to choose from. <laughs> and, now and now I've got a shed full of Corona lager which nobody else wants, because it's got the same name as the virus. Uh, and that's <laughs> all you need to know about human beings. What do, hell. That's crazy.
1: So stupid. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but in Denmark, it's, it's been a bit of a mixture. Like, a lot of people have been buying a lot of stuff, and then some people also have been, like, the exact opposite, like, don't, don't stockpile things, and... But I, I also yeah. understand why people want to do it.
6: Yeah. I, I, I guess it's I, just that. about being sensible, right? Yeah.
5: Yeah. Have, have, you, um, have, you, have you guys looked down these uh, uh, the Corona lockdown tournament lists? I'm just looking through them now. Have a little whiz through those lists if you fancy having a look at them. The
1: yeah, I had a quick couple look at the health ones. hmm so we should maybe just say that the, the USA ETC team basically put this UB tournament on um, for for the next, I think it's next five weeks or so, just because everyone is everyone is locked down and everyone's stuck at home, so it's a good time to do a UB tournament. I think like 40 people have signed up or something like that. Bloody hell. Like I, I've, I signed up for it. Um, and, uh, well, that's yeah. cool. Quite a lot of people. It's on Tony Keeper, so you can you can follow it. um But yeah, I had a quick look at the high off lists, and that was about it.
5: I wish I'd seen this. I'd have got involved. Yeah, but the um, yeah I was just customised my um, the um, the empire list is, is pretty interesting because um, I don't know about your thoughts on this, Andrew. But there's a lot of people out there doing the uh, uh, basically running the the cavalry version of the EOS stuff, essentially building it around the lights on style on the KC. Yeah, um, that's just kind like, of come back in old, fashion,
1: hasn't it? Yeah, big old thumb yeah. bus plus stank basically. How does that work then? He basically uh, just loads
6: up like your yeah. night bus. So you, because if you take the uh, the uh, nightly order upgrades on the El Toro Cav and you put the night commander in, you've got one up armor core that's fearless that you can give orders to yeah and they're a parent unit so you can do supporting mm-hmm. yeah so like it
1: becomes that, so. pretty pretty tasty I mean it shits a brick when it sees alchemy but
6: <laughs> I yeah. think um, it's got legs against quite a lot of stuff do you know,
5: do you know what I'd be tempted to do is, is I'd be tempted to run double distracting wagon behind that because if you drop one the bus still is still going to get distracting and it's just going to go straight through stuff you could put you could well there's obviously going to be a prelate in there uh, they got the Marshall in there as well, the BSB with Crown of the Wizard King. Um, so, you, I mean, you might even get can you imagine it if you got Raven's off of the, uh, off the-
6: <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's just got the classic issue that it's all, all eggs in one basket, and if you've got anything that can counter it, it's going to take it off very quickly. Yeah.
1: Matt, maybe you could give us your expert comments on the Empire lists then.
6: Uh, okay, yeah, I've got it. It's such a good idea. Yeah,
5: it's a really cool idea. This actually. Yeah. We should, I, I know on the the Milton Keynes um, uh, uh, WhatsApp group, they're they're jacking one of these up pretty fast as well. So they're I think they're going to be everywhere, aren't they?
6: Soon, yeah.
5: Uh, okay, so uh, just running down the EOS ones. Are you looking at them as well, Andrew?
6: Scott, uh, yes, know? that's just ordinary. So you fire away?
5: Uh, okay, so he's got the he's got the div div wagon. Uh, and then this is this speed.
1: is Cagdas code.
5: Yep, Cagdas. Yep. Yeah.
1: So it's probably um, Cag. It's probably Dutch.
6: <laughs> quite possibly. Yeah, let's yeah. just yeah. defend as many people as we
1: can. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> I, wasn't that I, the I, whole I'm idea of magnet radio? <laughs> <laughs> <actually>.
6: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it works out okay for us. Yeah. <laughs>
5: uh yeah so he's got the, he's got the uh got the div wagon with the usual build for the adept on it uh which is a nice build then the kc with the Sunstyle. style uh interesting build there with he hasn't gone for the the talisman um ages save he's gone for witchfire guard which is interesting what does gives you a four up ward against magical attacks which is i think
6: that's a better build yeah
5: yeah because he's going to be, he's going to be in a lot of um, challenges. i would thought that's the bit, the idea, isn't it? Uh, then you've got, uh, then you've got something that I just keep getting drawn back to, like a moth. The, <laughs> the Inquisitor on a horse with. Um, okay, so he's got, he's got, he's got dusk forward. So he's re-rolling one up uh, with the hammer of witches and blessed steel. Three hundred and fifty points of spiky goodness. If that goes off,
6: I mean, there's bits everywhere, but. Uh, I I just couldn't make that
1: work. Uh,
6: Can I just take everyone back, like a little story time. So, in August, when ETC occurred in Novosad, Serbia, there was a very distraught Matt Paris coming back from the venue, threatening to throw his Inquisitor in the Danube because, (laughs) quote, the fucker never does anything.
5: (laughs) Oh, he does plenty. <laughs> what he does is, is, he is he breaks from combat and panics units to death with, with, with a depressing regularity. No, I mean I just, but you know, I every like, oh D three wounds. <laughs> how can how can someone with offensive skill five and five attacks with lethal strike and D three wounds? not be just an absolute baller.
3: So can, can mean, you,
1: for those, for those was, of us, including me, who actually don't know what the build is, could you explain the build?
5: Uh, okay, so the, the, the Inquisitor uh, is, uh, he, first of all, he, he can't be the general, so that's, that's quite an interesting point. Um, but he, essentially, you get two real options with him. One's a shooting option that nobody really takes with the... Um, uh, What's the, the upgrade called that is not blessed bullets. steel? Yes, um, but the, the blessed steel, which is the, the sort of like the combat build on it. There's a couple of really interesting builds. The horse based one I think is quite interesting because you can get to a one up pretty quickly with shields, shield, uh, obviously. And then you you can go for, well, there's a number of different builds. You know, Dusty's forward which is a pretty good one for the one up rerollable. But then it's his combat output that's the really interesting idea. So a lot of people run um, the simplest version, I reckon, is the hammer, which is five attacks, uh, offensive skill, five. He's going to be strength, five, with the blessed steel upgrade. Um, uh, and um, uh, every time, obviously, with lethal strike, um, AP is going to be a bit of an issue there. So I've seen some builds that go with things like, for example, paired weapons and blessed ins- blessed inscriptions is a good build. I think Hero's hearts an interesting build as well. It, it is, is it the particularly... hammer of witches that
1: does the D3 wounds, or is it always?
5: Oh well, no, D3 wounds does for just for that's just a bog standard rule for inquisitors. So they get that with everything.
1: Oh
3: wow,
5: okay. So. Yeah, so I think a really interesting build and one that I've been trying to to to, to fit into my list, but I, I I just I'm not sure about it. Is to have two inquisitors, just vanilla inquisitors with great weapons, and you stick them in IG uh, blocks of Imperial Guard because obviously now the the IG are, are bodyguarding and they're just essentially monster repellents because you know anything that comes in has got it's got the potential uh, at strength six. And you can even you can even do something crazy like put Titanic Might on it. You know, with with two attacks, lethal strike at strength, what are we gonna be up to? We'd be up to strength seven then, wouldn't you? So I mean that that makes that's gonna make a lot of monsters think twice with D three wounds. Uh, and with things like blessed inscriptions and, and stuff. For anyone who's really interested in, in this, I, I thoroughly recommend going on to uh, the forum. There's a there's a sub uh, a, a, a thread on it written by a guy called necrosis i think his name is uh but he's an absolute mathematical genius and the guy's worked out the probabilities of every combo going um and um <laughs> it's co- it's called the inquisitor's guide funnily enough and uh and, and and he'll explain things much better than i ever could but there's a there's a really interesting build out, out there somewhere with with multiple inquisitors in it so i think you're gonna see quite a lot more of them just because of the spike potential um, but the rest of this guy's list, uh, so he's got Cosmo Adept uh, on foot, which is going to be going in one of the uh, crossbow bunkers. Then he's got the Fun Bus uh, of the Electoral Cavalry with the Household Standard. That's pretty, pretty commonplace. Two 15 bricks of crossbows with musicians, four Demis with discipline, so he's going to be playing them out wide. Uh, two uh, lots of Rangers. Ah, and they're Double Flaggy. Double 28 Flaggies. That's... Um, that's going to take some shifting, uh, and a steam tank. I think that's a pretty interesting list, actually. I like the look of that. It Seems pretty good. What do you reckon, Andrew? Yeah, I quite
6: like it. Mm. Mm. Double double dips maybe a bit meh, but and he's got no prelate to help out the nightly orders, but yeah. Uh... <sighs>
5: Yeah. got um, he's got, um, so he's with the arcane shield. He's gonna have, um, the bounce spell. Ice and fire. That's one, right? Ice and fire. is not shield. Yeah. Yeah. Mm,
1: but, but no, uh, no big block of infantry though.
6: No. And yeah. actually, looking through the other empire list none of them have gone for, um, big blocks. It's all with the cav. Yeah. So yeah. And, uh, go on, you, t- you, you go through Luke Transom, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, Luke's got kind of a very similar idea. He's got the Knight Commander, Sonstal, but he's gone for the Talisman. So I guess the Talisman versus the uh, Witchfire's Guard is the, the trade-off because you're getting the four up against magical attacks. Um, he's, got
1: head, anyway, right? like, he's got a one-up anyway, right? He's got one-up anyway. I don't know why
6: you would, unless I'm missing something. Do you only get the Witchfire in combat, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think it's for up in close combat, isn't it? It's only combat, right? So the, I guess the talisman yeah, protects you yeah. against snipes, <clears throat> which is obviously a concern when you've got one up armor everywhere. Um, it just says while well, using the shield, so I think you. He, he yeah, yeah, magical attacks. Yeah. Yeah. So that. why the fuck, look? What the fuck are you doing? Why the fuck Mate, are you going on that? Yeah. You nugget. <laughs> Right, and okay, you I realise that. Well, Add
5: some radio then... stats onto this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, then, you, could, you could have your Cowboy Inquista with that, couldn't
6: you? 1-up with a 4-up against magical attacks. Yeah, unless we're missing something. Unless... I don't see why that would only affect... The Bearer gains just 4-plus against magical attacks while using the shield. Yeah. So you would get it if it was a snipe.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
6: Yeah, so, yeah, that's stupid.
1: Um I think I think that if you think about it, um obviously there's like a reason that you maybe maybe you wouldn't take this item because maybe you're afraid of something that doesn't have magical attacks. But then things that don't have magical attacks tend to be not enough to get through a one plus save. Yeah. So yes.
6: It's hard to find something that fits with the Zonstal as well, because the Zonstal is 160 points.
1: 150.
6: 150? Uh, yeah. So, because um, how much is the Dusk is 55, right? So you can't make them 1-up reroll. Yeah. Uh,
1: so th- this seems like a really, really good item for that combo, for to me. Yeah.
6: Well, well that's something I've learned. Absolutely. There you go. Spicy. Um, and then Luke's got uh, BSB Marshall, great tactician. He's not going for death warrant. Listen, I other not so the other one didn't have death warrant. Yeah. Uh,
5: I, I I never leave home without it. I know you can't do black black steel and the um, the death warrant even on foot anymore. But I I, I think it's a it's an absolute must. The yeah. death
6: warrant. Especially when you've only got twelve attacks from the night orders. That can be massive. You get that spike. Um, adept on Pyro, Adept on Dev, Prelate on Horse, an Artificer with a Long Rifle, because he's got some Artillery, 12 Knightly Orders, um, with Hand Weapon Shield. I'm mm, not sure about that, uh, uh, Knightly Orders, no he's got Cavalry. Oh no, Cavalry Pick, okay, yeah. so AP3, Strength 4, that's okay. Yeah. Um, three Sleeves of 17 Crossbows, 10 Riot with Machine Guns two units of five rare machine guns five rangers uh cannon volley the gun double rocker um this is solid this is good oh at, at points that is a that's a lot of artillery isn't it yeah so the idea of this is 20. like you sit it down you shoot them as they come in and then you smash them with the, the cab bus but that can put out a lot of strength for hits especially because you has got the adept on pyro i think that's strong well done look just get that sorted on the, the item
1: so Matt, uh, Matt how does this compare with your gun line that you took to TSC? Uh
5: that's a, that's much more gunny than my gun line, I've gotta say. Uh, no stank of course. Um but um I, I mean it's, the, the problem that you you're running into is the is the armory cap, um, which you, you hit pretty much. As if you put the stank in and yeah. the cannon, then you are you you're running right up against it already. So you, you you can fit a stank a cannon and a rocket battery in, but you're right up against it. Whereas I was just I've just run the math on I think it's eight eight five. He's got there. I'm just looking at, it at the top of my head, which is just in, isn't it? So that's uh, that's a lot of shooting. I mean that is a lot. I mean how how many how many actual shots is that gonna gonna pump out to? Oh uh, fuck! If, well, 51, 81, uh Plus another thirty. So what's that? That's hundred and eleven, isn't it? Hundred and eleven. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I didn't yeah. Plus then all the artillery as well. So if anything, and then anything that survives that gets the fun bus. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we don't want to be playing that. <laughs> no, elves honest, do not want to
6: play anywhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you
5: see the, the the same old problems with empire. You've always got totemic summon wrath
6: of yeah. god yeah and just shamanism shamanism is just so strong against yeah um but then the other ones are so we've got joe flint uh joe flint sorry he's got slightly different he's got the yes. griffin i love that
5: build i just that's such a classic build so general uh Marshall general great griffin pistol shield uh, hero's heart ghostly guard winter cloak
6: yeah killing machine love it it's really good yeah and then what else we got? We got Master Pyro, which is strong. Yeah. Uh, we have got another Inquisitor, uh, but he's got the silver shot upgrade, so he's got the machine gun that rerolls to. Uh, oh, sorry, he's only got the pistol. What's he doing there? Silver shots. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So. Mm, okay. Um, he's on a horse, no, so on. he can run around get yeah. close.
5: Yeah. Uh, has he got? I know what he's doing. He's got, a sneaky, he's got a sneaky trick here. What he's going to do is put the Inquisitor... Oh, fire and to, impact. Yeah, he's going to fire and impact. That's awesome. And he's also, he's also he's going to go for uh, five electoral cavalry. They're not parent units, are they? So you can't, you can't give them orders, can you? No, Surely
6: no. you can get fire and impact if he's got the hammer of witches. Is... No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I thought I thought he was going for the um, uh, the old slingshot routine.
5: That would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I did fuck all and shitting, I'll charge you instead. <laughs> now there's there's an interesting build you don't see much of. Uh, Marshall Pegasus, BSB Shield Lance, Crown of the Wizard King, Dragonfire Gem. So he's going to be popping around all over the place on his BSB Uh yeah.
4: which is 300 points. All right. Mm-hmm
5: like that it's interesting Uh, he's got four darts of uh, uh, electoral cavalry three of them with great weapons the others being knightly orders with the lance Uh, core is always an issue Um, then he's got two little blocks of state militia can't get enough of that militia wonderful stuff Uh, three lots of five writers with brace of pistols again that's a very solid option Uh, ten imperial rangers two, two lots of those so two shots each lethal strike against beasts um Underused, Andrew, or what do you reckon? I've never really given them too much too much attention. The Imperial Rangers. The Rangers.
6: um, It's a strength three, right? Which is a pain in the arse. But that each so you'd pay one hundred and forty five points for twenty strength three shots that are lethal strike against beasts. Yeah. So demon players don't particularly like it, especially obviously the stuff has regen saves. Even stuff like like gargantulas hate it.
1: Dragons.
6: Any of that. Dragons hate it. Yeah. There
1: was quite a while in Denmark where people were playing like forty of these guys. Yeah. The
6: problem is, is that people want to use them as chaff because they're so cheap, and the apart from their initial um, scout drop, they're only movement eight. So people end up actually cucking themselves because they throw them down because they think they're going to do some shooting and then flee, and then they kind of just either bog down their own line or give people good reforms once they catch them. But yeah, I, think
5: legit. I, I, I think they're flattered to, to deceive a little bit. I think you're better off... I think they don't do anything that Militia don't do, and I think Militia do a lot of things better uh, than Rangers do. The scout drops nice, though. I like that.
1: M- militia are also from Core, right? Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then that. the last one uh, Phil Phil Carl Kazandu. Um, uh, that's a cool name. Um, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Wizard with a locket. Discuss. <laughs> <sighs>
1: it's it's a nightmare for some matchups, but. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How expensive is it?
5: The locket's eighty eighty points.
1: Hmm. Probably a bit too much, right?
5: I I oh, this is controversial and, and I'll be happy by obeying Mob for saying this, but I'm gonna go out on the limb and say I think I, I think that the locket is overpriced and verging on pointless. Now I've I've had rows <laughs> with, <laughs> I've had so many rows with, with in particular, Dan. And let's face it, you know, I mean, when you're around with Dan Thomas about something, you're probably in the rock. Um, I, I just said, Dan never does anything. And he says, precisely. If it's not, if you never use it, it's because it's doing its job. Um, but I just think, well, that's more shooting, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and that's why I come last in tournaments, I
3: guess. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's unusual to see it on a wizard, I have
6: to say. Uh, but, but who else could he have put it? Oh, he's got two Prelates he could Two put Prelates, on. yeah, they're the kind of obvious ones, but... It's, it doesn't it lacks a bit of banner if uh, the Prelate does it. Because if you can say that your wizard punched the shit out of a Scourge... That's then, true. Yeah. You walk about like the big dick.
5: Mm. So, I mean, with Light Armour, Essence of Mithril, that's armour set to five, isn't it? So that's a two-up. Yeah. I mean, so you're going to be giving over your one attack to that Chaos Lord or whatever it is um, they're still going to
1: batter you you, only if he's got something like the portent or something do you think that people are actually going to charge in there if they've got some kind of crazy character
6: I guess the um, problem is that he's got no way to kill champions right so if it's something like a Chosen Lord that can use a, a unit of um, the the other dudes then it doesn't really matter uh, sorry you know the night's cover going in doesn't really matter so it's really only the individuals and oh, I don't know uh, I think the lock is, is still good it's interesting
5: conundrum isn't yeah. it yeah yeah, so the rest of the list then, uh, KC with the tr- more traditional, uh, Sun-style Talisman Shielding build, uh, and then the Marshal with Stalker Standard, which is obviously a good call when you got the fun bus, yeah. uh, he's got the Death Warrant, which is nice, yeah. uh, dub- double prelate, okay, one with great weapon, one with paired weapons, that's a lot of prelates, um, uh, one fun bus, two fun buses. Uh, so 112 with nightly orders banner of speed that's where the BSB will be going then Uh, and then 14 electrical cavalry with great weapons and another stalker standard Uh, right so if I was going to be running that I think I'd be tempted to find points for Carradon's Corsa which you don't see played very often at all what does that do?
1: Special.
5: That is a very rarely seen Empire special item that allows you once in a game to re-roll failed charges for any cavalry unit within 6 inches of the bearer, something like that Um, and if you've got the double fun bus and then he's got 2 blocks of 4 demis as well you could be taking some long bomb charges
6: and re-rolling Yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fourteen. 14 knights are a bit of an issue I think with really a great weapon because because he can't fight in three ranks because they're not a parent unit yeah. and then he's even if he puts the prelate in there 15 so he's got 10 10 great weapon just don't know if that does enough mm,
1: they're going to grind aren't they what, what, there's, there's just... the prelate can give him like an Aegis save and stuff right?
6: It can, yeah. So the bounce yeah. spell can give them a five plus in combat, and then they'd be two up, five up, which is strong.
1: Do they still uh, get a two up save they, with a great yeah. weapon? Yeah, I guess they do yeah. with plate armor, oh, right?
6: Yeah, yeah. They're just so expensive. Like you put a prelate in there, they're like seven hundred and what thirty points. Mm, yeah. There's just like, there's just too there's too many units in the game that just don't give a fuck. Yeah the other one's so fast, especially when you put the order on it, that if it starts to go parachute you can still get around. But I've heard of Phil Carroll so he's he's obviously solid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You've heard of him.
6: I've heard of him so he must be good. <laughs> <laughs> um and the, the the steam tank's awesome like I I would struggle to not put a steam tank in any Empire list I think it's for his
5: first name on the roster isn't it? It's yeah. Uh, yeah
1: I agree. Yeah. But like, at what at what point, like at what price point do you do you not put it in there?
5: I think it's getting close to it, uh, and yeah. I, if if I could take one without a cannon, I would definitely. Um, I'd 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 got to I'd still I'd still give you five hundred points for a steam tank there. Oh, don't don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: Yo, um, oh, give it a 350s max. Well, like, what's, uh, uh Gortax about 500 now, isn't he? And so is the, uh, the Titan. And I think it, uh, when it comes to monstrous stuff, the Stank's probably in the same category as them. So the fact we're still getting it for 475. Remember when it was 440 and better?
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was so burnt. I'm going to have to go and do the fire again. Give me two minutes, I'll be back. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you want to
6: talk about the high of this,
1: Henry? Uh, yeah, I can do. So, uh, we've got the, the all-time ninth age god, Furion. He's playing an interesting list, a little bit different to what he played for ETC. So, he's got the, the Gryphon with what's become the standard build, nova flare diadem protection demon's bane dragon Forge armor so he's got a four up four up and then against magic he's got a two up four up then he he strike he strikes with the nova flare which is killy on the charge and then he gets an extra an extra go at charging and then the griffin also has a lot of strength five strength six attacks depending on if it's charging or not um, he's got a second prince with the sliver again, it's a pretty standard build, with a queen's companion. So that one's yep. probably going to go in the, in the sea guards. Then he has um, also interesting to note that this one has an obsidian rock, which is maybe extra. Don't think it's necessarily needed, but I'm sure he's got a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the then the commander with the BSB, the cranberry tower guy, so three spells. Uh he's got two ether icons and a great weapon, so with the two ether icons, I would imagine that this is probably gonna sit in the sea guard as well and it's'm yep. <laughs> not sure that was <laughs> <Someone's shouting. laughs> and uh I think it's interesting because it's obviously pretty pretty naked just with the light armor, so it's risky to have it in the sea guard, I think. But it's an interesting interesting decision, I mean, maybe it will base on the matchup, whether he puts it in there for the MR4 or not. Because obviously the two ether icons are giving him uh, additional magic res.
6: Fucking MR4 is brutal.
1: Is that going on your end, Andrew?
6: No, I think it's Matt. <laughs> oh, sorry guys,
5: that's me. Well,
1: I'm just climbing back in the horse
6: box, I'm sorry.
1: Are you podcasting from the horse box? <laughs> so I'm, I'm
5: watching my fire from in, in the, it's, it's a bit windy, and not make, It's not very really pleasant. So, I'm, yeah, climbing inside. There you go. No I'm, I'm inside now. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I was just uh, just listening. To the mr Four. That's that.
1: Yeah. So he's got he's probably, probably going to have mr Four on deep 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 the deep Sea deep Guard, deep. Deep. which is interesting. I don't, I don't know what spells he's really worried about. Maybe just combat buffs. Or against the prince is more an issue. I I don't I don't think you don't necessarily need that M R four because he's got a... ah that's why because he's got essence of Mithril not Destiny's Call. Ah, this is why I do Yeah, which makes sense. So I'm not sure why he wouldn't go for Destiny's Call because Essence of Mithril plus Obsidian Rock is actually more points. But I guess the Obsidian Rock also helps in other areas. Yeah, just more general, right? Um then he has the Mage Pyro uh adepts with Book of Arcade Mastery. I think this is becoming a pretty standard uh choice for high elf players. Like it I, I've been playing with the master of Pyromancy, and that's really yep. good. But I, I think you can probably get away with with the adepts depending on how badly you want flaming swords or not. Yeah. Cause if if you don't really care about flaming swords, which this list doesn't really need it. Um you can Is call how me many
6: spells does give you? Three. Three and then yeah, two, yeah.
1: Cause for me I I'm t- I'm building my list a bit around flaming swords so I can use it in the shooting phase and I can buff my sword masters with it. Yeah. Um, but this list doesn't really need it, necessarily. So I think then you can get away with having an Adept, because you can take two damage spells. Yeah. Rather than having to take a Flaming Swords. Which is kind of the way that I play. Yeah. So I think, I think this is interesting. And then, the core is two units of guard. One is the small bunker for the Wizards. And the other one is just 27. I think the Sea Guards are really good. You get a lot of a bang for buck with them because they fight okay and uh, and they shoot quite a lot, like deceptively, amount, a large amount because you can set up charges with Reavers, flee and get stand and shoot and things like that. I, I'm not sure about the second unit. Um, I don't think that's necessarily 15, needed yeah. because you can only stand and shoot with uh, one unit when you're doing the cover volley. Uh, which I learned recently but um but maybe it's maybe he's just a knows how to do it <laughs> I don't know he probably has he, it. he's a much smarter guy than me he
6: can kind of spread out his line a little bit more and kind of make sure that he's getting the um the cover volley in multiple places right
1: yeah exactly and maybe maybe uh, he is going for flaming swords in that case to get the maximum usage out of it
6: yeah in which case you're fucked yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, it's, it's really good in certain matchups for sure. He's yeah, got some yeah. reavers without bows, which also something I learned recently is that you should always put reavers with bows. But maybe he's trying to save the points for something. Um, then a fire phoenix, which I think is really good. Um, as I alluded to on the on the first part of this episode, I think the fire phoenix is in a really good spot, especially with the warding yeah. bond.
6: Yeah, you are pretty happy with
1: it after uh, TSC right yeah, yeah I think I think it works really well and then he's got 18 Lion Guard with Banner of Becoming I'm not sure about this unit I guess 18 is probably on the verge of being enough if with one unit but uh, I would probably want to see a bit bigger unit myself and as as you'll see with my list I have a bigger unit oh yeah Lion Guard back yeah nice. I'm just trying them out again because I haven't tried them in a while and Just the Swordmasters, I know what they do. They as good as they used to be, because obviously
5: they they used to be really quite something, weren't they?
1: Um, probably not as good as they used to be, because they used to uh, they used to fight in three ranks, right? Yeah. And then get re rolls to hit, Mm. and they do neither of those now. So yeah, it depends how far back you go
5: against large
1: not specifically large it's only large beasts and large cavalry and gigantic right so against some some large so not ogres or anything like that and then three times seaguard reapers so that's all obviously solid choice i think i really like his list i think the the only thing i would i would consider trying to fit in would be the bows for Reavers mm. but otherwise I think it's really good it, it does really well in all phases maybe the line guard a bit small but uh, apart from that I think it's really solid and he should probably do pretty well with it
6: it's hard for for me to say and I, I imagine Matt will be the same because in the UK just now the only high sorry highborn, oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> highborn highborn lists that we are seeing so, you know, at the, um, the bowlines like the Queen's Guard um, and Pyro Master so this is quite different to what we've been seeing. And like highborn aren't a particularly popular army here, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'd,
5: yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's. I'm looking at that, thinking I really don't see how. I mean, obviously he's really good, and obviously he knows what he's doing. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to imagine how that's going to play. Just predominantly because we just don't see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking. Um, I'll just fucking run at it.
1: Yeah. Come. yeah, push. I just to try to shoot it off. Then Andrew's going a run a day. <laughs> I mean, he's actually playing. I guess I would say I would like to say it's a similar style to the way I play high elves, because it's it's mixed arms rather than gun line. Yeah, and I think I think that's the most that's the way that uh, if you want to play high elves successfully, that's how you're gonna to have to play it because if you're playing in a singles tournament. Like this, if, you run into, uh, if you're run a gun line and you run into an army that could just run at you and do bad things, then you're going to struggle and you're probably not going to do very well in total. Because yeah. as soon as you come into one of those matchups, and there are quite a few of them, you're really going to struggle. Yeah. But with an army like this, you, you have tools to deal with everything.
5: I mean, he's Sweet. fast as well, isn't it? He's he's got some fast-moving stuff in there, uh, and and it can it can, f- but like you said, it can do everything. I mean, it can fight, it can shoot. It's got loads of magic. It's got a big punch. Um, the uh, the the Prince a Griffin is going to hand it out, isn't he as well? So yeah, yeah he's sure. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there any other standard? So thought about it, isn't
1: it? I think in, interestingly, there's no Rhymonites which I'm seeing in almost every list that I write, there's no Rhymonites, So uh, maybe that's something to an interesting point as well. Uh, but I guess the griffin kind of does the job of the ramanites in some way.
5: Yeah. I mean, Henry, how uh, how critical is the master of the Canrig Tower? Because I mean, obviously, you know, I I I know various players that that swear by it. Would you Would you swear by it as well?
1: <laughs> no, not ne- not necessarily. Um, well, I mean, Furion, Furion did the best in ETC last year for High Elves and he didn't have a BSB or a Master of Cranry Tower. Right. So I don't think it's necessarily necessary, <laughs> but uh, I think it is It is really strong. But in this, in this list, you need it because yeah. you only have a Mage from Pyromancy otherwise. Yeah. I, I would really like to see what spells he chooses with both the uh, Adept and the and cranberry the Tower guy in each matchup. Just, I think that would be really interesting to see how he chooses his spells. Uh-huh. I think one the next list that we should talk about is Justin Burgi's list, because it's essentially the same as Furion's list. The, there's only very few uh, differences. Uh, okay. So he's got the same Gryphon Prince, he's got the same uh, Queen's Companion Prince, He's got this almost the same commander uh Krenry Tower commander. The only different yeah. the only difference is that um the only difference is that he doesn't have two ether icons. He has one yeah. ether, one ether icon and he has instead Oh no, sorry, he does have two ether icons. So it's exact actually exactly the same. Yep. Yeah, sorry. And then he has uh sorry, I've just lost it. He has exactly the same wizard, so his character setup is is 100 percent the same, and then he has the same unit of Seaguard with the banner of speed in core. I'm not sure about the banner of speed. I mean there must be a reason for spending 50 points on it, but i I would prefer to take a banner of rhymer.
6: I was going to say how much is the rhymer
1: banner? It's 25 points more. Twenty five points more, okay. So for me I'd rather lose a sea guard than take the banner of Rhymer. Yeah, for sure. But I would guess he's probably using it more in the in the movement phase rather than in the charge phase.
5: Yeah. Then
1: instead but he's of... obviously
5: agreeing with you though, because he's got um uh he's he's got no bows on the Reavers, but he's he's got that slightly larger lion guard, hasn't he? Um uh, Banner yeah. of Becoming. yeah, good call that as well. Yeah, so as... you reckon
1: to that. Yeah, I I played um the Swordmasters with Banner of Becoming at the Scottish Championships. And I I think it's, before I kind of thought, well, it's not really worth taking it on a, on like a combat unit. You're better off taking like a combat banner. But after I played with it, I realized we don't really need a combat banner that much because they do enough as it is. And you have the magic to, to buff them when you need to. So I I think it's, I think it's pretty good. And as, as Fury, as we saw with Fury's list, I think he took 18. And uh, Justin Burgee has taken uh, 20, so it's essentially the same unit. Yeah. Uh, he's got one more Reaver and 20 Spears instead of 15 Seaguards, so again, pretty similar. Uh, so, he, so instead of the Phoenix, he's got Knights of Rhymer. And, and then he's got three Seaguard Reapers, so basically it's the same list. The only difference is instead of a phoenix in Fury's list, yeah. he's taken knights of Rhymer and two extra lion guard. Right, so
5: it's uh, it's obviously fairly honed as well, then, isn't it? What would you say Rhymer over the uh, knights over the, the phoenix, uh, Henry?
1: Um. Well, in my list, I've got both, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just, yeah, But I I'm not sure. I'm not. I've only played the phoenix in five games, so. Uh, but from on the just on the, just uh, I I'm not sure I'm not sure I think without uh, he has got a griffin I say with a dragon it's really nice. Uh, I I don't know what's mm. better I don't know, I think it comes down to playstyle really. Yeah, I was and just going to I like the
6: flexibility, so I would go for the phoenix over the knights.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure really sure, but I just yeah. think it's interesting. Guys, I'm gonna
5: have to shoot in about five minutes, so um. Uh, sorry to be rude and stuff. No worries. But, um, uh, yeah, cause uh, get get things on the on the go. But um, do you want to run? Th- uh, yeah, so I was just looking at your list then as well. Grey watches. That's um something. Else. Oh, they're still there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. They, they made it I've in
5: again. It <laughs> else's. Has anybody else got them? I don't think anyone else has got them. Oh no. Yeah, Thomas Scrub, Alix got them
3: <laughs>
5: Two times five. Uh, and that's it so it's only
1: you and uh, someone who calls himself Scrub <laughs> yeah I mean I, I, I used them really successfully in the Scottish Championship so I figured they deserved another, another showing um, but this is like yeah, a completely different list to what I ran in, uh, in Scotland it's uh, the same dragon build but I'm going with a divination wizard instead of a pyro wizard wow just uh it's more because I want to try it than anything, and because I've gone with divination, I wanted to use the as w- like the best, the best units I could think of, to combo with divination. Okay. So. Uh, how
5: are you? you gonna get the range thing going there, mate?
1: The range because thing. The
6: scholar. The scholar uh, gives okay. me range, right?
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, Aspects, uh. Aspects Scholar gives me an extra six inch range. And um, on. one sneaky little thing I've put in the list is a rod of battle on the dragon.
6: Oh, yeah. love a sneaky rod. Mm.
1: So, <laughs> so the the dragon has a, a large rod of battle, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so so the idea with this is that I can threaten the plus one to hit. Yeah. And also the reroll to hit. Yeah. So the lion guards obviously benefit the most from this. Um, and also, the dragon itself benefits a lot from this. Right. So, that's kind of the plan.
6: Yeah. Is the uh, 10 unit just yeah. a little bunker?
1: No, it's actually more of like a scoring unit that, that again, combos really well with the magic. Okay, cool. And I also have the know that enemy spell, so I can get uh, offensive skill 7. so there's a lot of things that can benefit me hitting really well and i'm i have a lot of high strength attacks
5: because you can bubble uh stars align can't you Div?
1: yeah but Um, i don't really have much that that it works on apart from the combat yeah but the the book of melodies works so well at scotland that i wanted to try it again as well yeah it's strong like that and i didn't really have points for banner of becoming so i took talisman of the void instead
6: Yeah, four blocks is decent as well. I mean, they're small blocks, but still.
1: Yeah, the (laughs) the spears are really good. I played like an MSU list in Sweden with, like, loads of units, and they work really well. Two sixty points is
6: decent for twenty spear.
1: Yeah, and lots of scoring units as well. One, two, three, four, five, six scoring units. Yeah, it's good.
6: And,
5: you see, and you've got um, um, you've got enough stuff to get across the board and uh, and, and get into a, uh, a gun line as well, haven't you? So it's not as though you're even gonna they're gonna get one round of shooting before your uh, your flying stuff and your real fast cav get into them, isn't it? So. Yeah,
1: potentially. Mm. You can also screen things with the reavers and the citizen citizens Spears can go out in front if they need to. Yeah.
5: Yeah, that looks solid, to huh, Henry
1: yeah it's a it's a it's an experiment for sure but uh i think it's okay that's cool i
5: like it so so the format of the tournament then is does everyone have to sort of play by a given date is that how it's yeah exactly it's
1: yeah that's cool have you have you pulled in the first game um let's have a look i'm not 100 percent sure yet i, I know that I think because I was the last one to sign up I didn't actually have a pairing Okay. but maybe it's been updated since so let's have a look
5: I can't believe I've missed this there's so many players on this it's really cool yeah
1: there's there's obviously a lot of guys from all over the place Um, I'm seeing like names that I recognise from (laughs) I can see that Furion's already won 20-0 in his first game Is there anyone that's finished, but uh, I've not got a pairing yet?
5: Oh, uh, CSM.
6: Oh, this is. the. Uh, I've really missed out on this. There's some good players on this as well. Yeah, like, see, whenever I see a tournament that Christmas is playing at, I always check his yeah. list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's his, oh, is he, he playing? One? Vampires? Just, just, yeah,
6: he's just, Vampires. Just, whilst you've got
5: a chance, just quickly uh, whiz forward to the Silver Nails. Uh, this guy's got an awesome name. Jobadiah Christiansen. Right? Wow. <laughs> have, a look at his,
1: have a look at his list. That Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait. That,
5: that, if, if that doesn't take six hours to play that game,
1: I'll be amazed. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I guess UB allows you to do these crazy lists. Just for, just for reference for the podcast. Um, he's got a Forest Prince as a general, which is his only character. It's a shapeshifter. With Destiny's Call, Titanic Might, Silver Blades, and Cliff of Amar- Amar- Amaral with a Dragonfire Gem, which is a pretty decent build. And that's his only character, so no magic. Then he's got 5x10 Silver Archers with musicians, 4x10 Dryads, 3x10 uh, Blade Dancers with a champion, and 4x10 Forest Rangers with a musician. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's,
5: that, that is the most uh, that is the most MS. You, you, list I've ever seen. It's yeah.
1: incredible. that it's, actually, it's still fifty shots. I mean, I think the only thing is missing is a master mage. Yeah, a little bit of magic.
6: I, I I think that's 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 so fluffy. I love that. It's really God. Boring. That that would be a nightmare to deploy. You would have to know what you were doing. Can you imagine getting the marching columns on that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think on UB you can do like a default uh, deployment, so you can just. Press. You can just uh, kind of all. just yeah. drop it all, and I, I hope <laughs> <clears throat> that's sick
5: like that. Right, chaps, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to go. It's been lots of fun. Thanks for having me on, Henry.
1: No um, worries, Matt. Thanks and for and coming really on.
5: Appreciate it. Yeah, no dramas, uh, and I'll catch you guys all soon.
1: Yeah, have a good See weekend,
5: Thanks, chaps.
4: Cheerio.
1: Cheers. So, Andrew, just to wrap up.
4: Uh, so, do you,
1: do you. have anything coming up in the pipeline? got
6: uh, no, obviously because you. They because of the virus, all the tournaments in the foreseeable future have being cancelled. Um I know that, like for example, the English Championships, which were meant to be in April, they've been pushed back to October, oh, like really? was talking about.
1: I might be able to come now. <laughs> um,
6: yeah, so, well, I, actually, yeah, because I wasn't going to go in the April one because I had the other stuff going on, but the fact it's in October now might actually be pretty good. And it'll be, provided they don't cancel ETC or, or do anything with that, um, it'll be after ETC, which is normally quite a good time to go to these events because everyone's kind of taking the weird and wacky stuff.
1: Do you know what um, um, date the English Championships are? Uh,
6: not off the top of my head. It is on the forum though, because I, I know that Mikey was canvassing opinion on it because um, there was discussions about running it, but I think now that's just not feasible. Um, and actually probably illegal now actually <laughs> so I think he has to, he has to move it to uh, October
1: Fair enough but
6: I think it was kind of like I think it was the start of October which um which obviously sucks because I know there was people travelling over and I, I'm sure it's not the only event that's been affected that way but um, Health's got to come first and hopefully they can all rearrange and come over in October time
1: Yeah, for sure
6: Yourself. Is it just a continuation painting
1: and stuff in isolation? Yeah, basically there's there's yeah. a tournament... Well, I don't know if it's still on. I wasn't going to attend, I was supposed to be going to Sweden camping just the week after okay. Easter, but maybe that tournament is now now cancelled anyway. But yeah, apart from that, I've, I've got nothing planned in the tournament schedule until ETC. Cool. But then maybe I'll make it over to UK if this uh, coronavirus... <coughs>
6: yeah hopefully I think that you know for tournament organisers October sorry uh, August is kind of looking at it's starting to look like maybe that's going to be free but I mean from the very little I know it just seems that they're going to have to wait and see
1: yeah yeah I think so as well let's hope that ETC gets to go ahead yeah for sure all right man. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming on. Do you want to give yourself yeah, a pleasure. plug while you're here?
6: Of course. Uh, well, firstly, thank you for having me, and I hope everyone is staying safe out there. Um, if you want to listen to Madgate Radio, you can grab it on SoundCloud, or you can get us on Twitter at scottshandpitch.
1: Awesome. And uh, as always, you can find me on the forum at Henry P Miller, and you can send us emails to amatime DJ at